podcast i'm matt i'm john i'm steve we have a very special guest today that i'm actually surprised it took me this long to have her on we've been friends <laughs> for been, a while you've i've been, been talking about her for, for years well. oh god i hope it's working yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i say to myself in the mirror every morning that's like our guest thing. the you lovely voice that. you just heard is nasty canasta thank you for joining us nasty thank you for having me um i work regularly with nasty at in multiple blush shows but mostly wasa bosco um but we've been partnered up in, in the pink room you do as well mm-hmm. plenty of other shows um some of my favorite burlesque shows though are the ridiculously insane shows you produce for the bell house <laughs> um they're a lot of fun for many levels a because i get to dj and that's been fun and like actually pick the music we play between sets yeah. and before they, and after they, they give you that much power well we give them spotify i mean that's yeah i know they bring me in a little bit <laughs> okay um and uh and also because they tend to be the craziest of shows they're pretty stupid um and so i wanted to actually start with that mm-hmm. uh, obviously for those who don't know nesta canasta is a burlesque performer one of the greatest burlesque performers and producers of all time, of all time. i was just waiting for that you're welcome part. and um, exceptionally hyped to us also because normally <laughs> when we're looking for news in the beginning of the podcast which is really just what we've done this week matt mm-hmm. is the only one talking and he talks about the recent burlesque act that he went to and it's usually yours or rather the ones that he describes of yours are always the craziest yeah that's so. probably right um, <laughs> no pressure no, <laughs> no, no pressure sure no worries um, the first thing I want to actually talk about is one of my more recent favorite shows we've done Stripper Macbeth which I mean as a Shakespeare fan and as a fan of boobs and butts I can get very much behind it that's pretty much where it came from <laughs> yeah. how long had you had the idea to do Shakespeare in burlesque form I think I mean we're not, we weren't the first people to ever do it sure, of course. people have done acts um, based on characters or plays or whatever and um, people have done full shows that have been you know a collection of those acts like a review of of those of those numbers um, but I don't know I want to say it was probably about a year before we actually did it that um, I, I have these fantasies about like what are the shows that you absolutely can't ever turn into burlesque shows like what is so because people always um post at least like three times a year they post that there's a cd of like songs that it's impossible to strip to and and i always get tagged like oh hi i bet you can't and like i've done like half of like four of those songs so um so i love the (laughs) idea of like shit you just shouldn't be using um you're always moving the line (laughs) yeah i just like to fuck people um so until i actually do the taking of pelham one two three as a burlesque show which i swear to god i'm gonna do one of these days um we were thinking you know somehow we got into one of those discussions about like well shakespeare and you know i think somebody did a midsummer night's dream once um Mm. which you know makes sense that's a very i mean everybody's naked in that play anyway (laughs) um you know and then we were like what are the plays that you really can't do or shouldn't or whatever and um and then I think somehow I was like, oh, I want to do Burnham Wood walking to Dunsinane as a giant fan dance with a lot of people in it. And then we were like, oh, fuck. Okay, there we go. Um, so that kind of just happened. And then, you know, honestly, when I come up with these ideas, when people, when I mention it to like two or three people and they get that same like 
just like, oh God, yes, look, then I'm like, all right, now we have to do <laughs> it. Do it, right. So, and that one, it was real easy to implicate a lot of people in that real fast. So. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I read your the script that you wrote for this show, and I'm just like, I was blown away by just how you transformed it into a burlesque show script. I'm just amazed that, we, I mean, we cut, what was it, like 17 pages 17 long or pages, something? But like, also, like, everyone took it and, and made it their own. Yeah, there were some performers, yeah. like, I love Albert Cadabra. He is delightful and stupid. But, like, he made it a shtick that he couldn't remember mm-hmm. his lines. He couldn't remember his lines, so he was looking in his underwear, yes. he was looking in his hat, and it got big laughs. But then Sapphire Jones comes out and does a very serious, very beautiful and a, and hot act mm-hmm. that was insane. Like, it's just the dichotomy throughout the whole show was crazy. I think crazy. had to have that mix, too. And I also think because we were not really able to rehearse the whole show together as a cast really ever before we did it that there was a lot of we just had to go with a lot of people just kind of doing like all right but you know what like make a decision and go with it and everybody did make decisions and go with them and it was beautiful nothing felt like um flustered or confused everything nice to hear because it did backstage (laughs) did it really (laughs) i uh i also i mean i never saw the show like i still right of course i don't know how it went Right. Well, that's something that's always interesting to me, too, is, like, most of the shows I'm on the side and I get to watch. Mm-hmm. But, like, for Kong, which you guys have done also, mm-hmm. two different versions of King Kong, might you, as a burlesque show. Well, we had to do this Kong 76, too. Just cause oh, so three three versions? No, it was, no, it was two. two. It was yeah. the two. The original and 76, yeah. Um, that's a show where I help backstage yeah. mostly. Yep. And so I've still never seen that show, mm-hmm. so I get it what that's like. It it's drives like me nuts. It drives me nuts. Everyone says it was good. Yeah. No, I try to, since I get to make the set list, I always try to put myself where I can, you know, get dressed at intermission and watch everything else, because right. I, I can't stand not getting to see the whole thing. So, uh, shifting from specific shows to burlesque in general and the acts that you create, when you create them, and I've asked a few performers this, do you start with a concept first, a song first, a style first, or it's, is it just kind of a crapshoot? It's shoot? kind of a crapshoot with me, honestly. Um, a lot of... You know, because I just like to fuck with people, a lot of things are, you know, how what what can I get away with and what can I, how can I warp this idea or whatever. So, you know, sometimes it comes from literally like one-liners, like just what's the what's the one dumb gag for that's going to turn into a number. Um, what you like a challenge. Day? I like a challenge. Yeah. I really do. Anytime, I've got a couple numbers that people were like, well, I mean, because you can never do that. And, and you're like, all right, well, I will. There we go. Like, this is, we. I get into a <laughs> lot of trouble with this stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, like the the one I did, I did it the other night. Um, the It's, you know, all in a toga and, you know, and all that stuff. And it's to the B-52's Rome because I think that's hilarious because it's Rome. Get it? And like the place, nobody, not the like, action. and nobody yeah. gets it. Like nobody, like literally after like four and a half minutes of this song, like one person goes, <laughs> but there you go. Oh, I guess that was me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I'm right. glad you were here for that. Um, you know, so it's like, well, it's like you did uh, "Diamonds Is a Girl's Best Friend," which is the most overdone song, but you did it dressed as a minor. Mining for diamonds. That was that was a challenge one. We yeah. saw somebody. I mean, Doc tells a story every time we do it. But um, we we saw somebody do a you know just a real standard number with a pretty dress to that act. But I don't know if she forgot her jewelry or if she just didn't have any in the or whatever. But there were no diamonds in it. But it was still like real pretty and real like you know classic. And and he was just like he leaned over and he just goes, I don't think you can do this act with no diamonds in it. <laughs> 
challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ten years later, hauling that pickaxe around. Yeah. I, I imagine taking a pickaxe that size on the subway is not That's really a thing. That's why I got the three-pounder and not the five-pounder. <laughs> right. Uh, where do you shop for pickaxes? Um, well, I live right near Lowe's. Oh, there and, you go. Um, oh, man, the things that I... Yeah. Walked in, bought a shopping cart full of yeah. stuff, and you get strange looks. But a lot of times with the with that, you know, because it's Lowe's, and I'm like holding things up, like, can I put this on my boob? And they just sort of walk by, and they're like, just don't even, just don't even. <laughs> well, right. let me put forth a question here mm. because it's been stewing in my head for the past five minutes ever mm -hmm. since Matt said it, uh, and this is coming from the layman. Despite the fact that we've had three prior mm -hmm. burlesque artists on, it's about damn it's time still, we get you it out still to evades me. Okay. I've been to a few of them, okay. but this is one that that stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. Burlesque script that is fifteen. Uh, excuse me, 17 pages long. Mm -hmm. What does a burlesque script look like? Just on paper, because oh, I bet that would confuse a lot of people. That's just a script. I mean, they're usually just scripts, and then, you know, we just say, and then here's Sapphire Jones's number. Okay, you so know. it really is just the, it's the dialogue, and then I, it's the, yeah, I usually the stage look at directions, them like, and italics, um, all classic theater, yeah, like, pretty oh, much. I also, well, you know, my stage yeah. directions are like three paragraph long <laughs> snarky comments too. Uh, <laughs> they are usually, but like, um, hey, idiot, do this thing yeah. now. <laughs> Somehow we make his stage turn into a thing. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out later. That's um, one thing that's kept me from the uh, theater writing world, actually, because mm -hmm. I would get so carried away oh, yeah, in those no, little I, italic excerpts. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I find them. Well, then you give me hope, actually. I should get in there. That's maybe why the scripts are maybe 17 pages instead of 14 but um, I look at when I'm writing those I look at them basically as musicals but instead of singing there's musical numbers that insert number insert yeah. number here yeah, gotcha. yeah exactly and I do we try to do those um you know a mix of sometimes they're just a thing like oh we brought a dancing girl on board the ship and um and sometimes they do forward the plot so I think when they're really successful they they are actually integral to the plot too yeah, I feel like in in Kong there there mm. there are moments where it's just like here's a, a mini burlesque show, but you're you know you're using that to follow the plot too. But then in in Macbeth it was and, I, and we're we're in a house, not a theater. I feel like it's safe to say that. Oh yeah. Word. Oh no, I don't. Yeah, that one I'm okay with. <laughs> um, <laughs> that you know every act forwarded the plot. Yeah. Like none of them yeah. stood out as well, just an act. We also um, had to. Be, I mean, the, it's a five act. It is literally a five-act tragedy. Yeah. Um, so we had to obviously, you know, cut it down a lot and and collapse a lot of the characters together and stuff. But um, just in order to get the whole story in, we had to have things happen, you know, all the time where we could. So, um, but that was also, I mean, that it's it, it was it real logical to take soliloquies and make those replace those with numbers too. Yeah. Um, Sometimes literally, I mean, Tigger actually did speak a soliloquy during his number, and sometimes just as a replacement. Yeah, um, that, which is why I think that was also a, a logical choice for a show. Yeah, I mean, of. well, I mean, I think <laughs> I, I, I've yet, to, I, based on what you say, I don't think there's anything you can take on and not make successful in burlesque. So, do you want to run music for Taking of Pelham One Two Three? Because yes. um, uh, I absolutely I do. I want notification immediately mm -hmm. on as soon as. The, in fact, I want I want to be there for the rehearsals. I, I want to see how this is done. I want to. I just we know pole dancers and we've just built a subway car <laughs> on the <laughs> stage. <laughs> and, and there and you then, go. You know, hopefully Ivory Fox can just. Uh, yeah. Do her. Do can her. just pole dance on the subway oh, car on stage. One hostage by one hostage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I actually want to talk about something that you, you brought up a few times, and I think this is the first time that uh, we've had somebody in the burlesque scene who's actually brought this up, the plot, mm -hmm. like the show plot. Because um, from the few shows I've actually been able to get to, uh, which was even before Matt got into mm -hmm. it, I never really saw a plot. When did you make that transition from doing a, a, a piece 
to actually designing whole scripts for these shows. It's something that, um, you know, has happened in the past. I mean, we, we didn't invent it. Um, but for the most part, you're right, shows are usually cabaret-style reviews. Mm-hmm. And at, at the most, they have will have themes sometimes. You know, they'll yeah. either be like a sci-fi show or, you know, a Christmas show or whatever. Um, but coming from theater... And escaping from theater, um, you know, I, my 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 numbers were often very narrative, and then um, I, I like doing the theme shows, and I think it, um, especially now that you know, there's a show like there's probably a burlesque show happening in your kitchen right now, like there's they're everywhere, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. it, not to you know, I don't know to, to distinguish it, but also I think it's I think it's something different, and I think it's. Um, I don't know. It, it happened a couple of years ago. We saw. Well, it was King Kong was probably one of the first. I think it was ones, one right? of the first like ones. Like the yeah. first real fully scripted one. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we'll script the um, the bits, the hosting bits in mm-hmm. between, and that sort of thing to just sort of link stuff. But um, but I think yeah, it was probably like within the last five years or so that we really just started writing just these full on scripts. And I think it was because we also we wanted to do King Kong, which um, was another one. Like, how do we ever make this happen? And um, it happened. But, um, several times now. Yeah, several How times. How many times have, have we done it? I think we've done it three, three. or four times. Yeah. And, and that's one we're hoping to do a, an extended run of maybe next year. So that, I think that would be cool to kind of present it as a theater, you know, mm-hmm. like a theatrical Absolutely. run. I think it well, would benefit. Well, not having to bring all that crap home every night would be really nice. That's too. also true, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a number where one performer dresses as the Hand of King Kong and dances with the character dressed as Fay Ray. Yeah, it's... Um, um, who's p- done by Hazel Honeysuckle in the show. Oh, okay. And it's a Episode giant. Thirty-five. Just, just a, a giant ape hand dancing with a woman. It's yeah. the dumbest, most it's awesome really thing. It's really stupid. Yeah, yeah, it's really. Du- and then they did that number um, for the, the Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day show because, because it's a love between a hand and a like, woman. Hazel was like, "Hey, that's a love number, right?" <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Sure. Go ahead, do it. Um, I think next I want to ask because I don't even know that I know this really. Mm-hmm. I know that you have a theater background mm-hmm. and you went to school school for theater, right? Yeah. So. When did you start transitioning to burlesque? Because obviously, at five years old, I imagine you weren't doing burlesque numbers in your kitchen. No, although I was dressing like a lunatic. And actually, we have photos, so technically, I probably was. But um, <laughs> we only get three gallery photos now. So <laughs> <take>. <laughs> oh, I have one for you, man. Um, uh, yeah, so I um, I went to school for theater, but I did kind of everything. Um, I, I did. Uh, set design and acting and directing and you know all that stuff and then I um, stayed on and actually did set construction for a few years too which I really enjoyed um, and costuming and everything it's shocking so, to me that you like making stuff I know right I would have never guessed they gave me power tools too it was pretty <laughs> awesome we had a really well uh, I worked in a really well appointed shop so that was that was great but um so, uh, and then after college, I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to New York and do theater because I was a purist and I wasn't going to do film. Of course. Um, and I should legally not sing in public, so no musicals. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to do theater. And um, that did not work out so well. Um, but part of it was I was never any good at the business of theater. And I, I just, it was one of those, like, I could see it going absolutely nowhere. I don't know if I was any good as an actor. I, I Like, I just don't know. I, like, I was probably fine and whatever um but i just was never going to get anywhere and it was getting real frustrating and actually a friend of mine who did um who did some circus training um 
I forget where, but uh, some people that he had been in a school with, and he's like, they're doing this burlesque show with this thing, but this guy I was in clown school with is hosting or something, so I don't know, come see this. And he was one of those guys who like would see the weirdest, most amazing <laughs> types of performance and sure. drag drag you to it. And actually, it was great. I miss I miss his influence. Um, but uh, and I I apparently watched the show like literally with my mouth hanging open because I didn't you know what I went to four years of Ivy League theater school um, you know and nowhere in there did they say that this was happening no like, nowhere nowhere or that it had ever happened yeah, like yeah. not even back in the you know Lydia Thompson and the British Blondes in the 1800s and like nothing and I was like you are you kidding me like you never said um and, then, and if Ivy League isn't canon, what is? I know, right. <laughs> we should know. I should have done a paper on it. Um, I should have done a one-woman show on it. There you go. Uh, it's not too late for that. Oh, yes, it is. Go back. Prove It's real too late Prune. for that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and then a few months after that, the same friend um, saw he was on a casting call list for um, the old Galapagos art space, which has since moved on and then closed down, but um, for something, you know, and they were like, we're looking for variety acts, including burlesque, and and I put some shit together and went in and auditioned, because you had to audition then, mm. which is possibly not the worst idea in the world. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of went from there, but that was, um, as of nine days ago, that was 12 years ago. Wow. You've been doing this while. Yeah, and it pretty much just went from there. I mean, at the very first show I did, I met um, the woman, uh, Veronica Sweet, who ended up being my um, producing and performing partner for many years. Um, she She's since retired, but... Uh, but literally at that first show, and she was, you know, and we were like, oh, sweet, nasty. Hey, that would be fun if we did a, you know, if sweet we ever did a nasty. show, it should be sweet and nasty. And it was sweet and nasty for many years. In fact, it was sweet and nasty for a few years after she retired, too. She let me keep the name, so. That's cool. Um, yeah, but, uh, and, and, you know, and at that time, I, I, I sort of started transitioning out of theater. And for a few years, I still worked with people that I that I knew, mm-hmm. um, you know, and had, had working relationships with, but I stopped going to auditions and all that stuff. And now it's kind of, because I have the other... I mean, obviously, I perform a lot anyway, but because we have the plays and I did the Naked Girls reading for a while and that sort of thing, I feel like that, that's that been channeled into places that I'm, I'm more comfortable with. Just, and I'm more, I'm, more confident in, I'm more confident in the quality of the work, so I feel like I can sell it better in, you know, in, in, a, in any way. And I'm sure. like, oh, yeah, I'm doing the show. Like, I mean, God, years of like, well, I'm in this play, but uh, you probably shouldn't see it. It's actually really crappy. <laughs> <laughs> the theater's really gross, too. And I'm like, you know what? There's going to be 10 awesome acts in this show. You should totally come see it. Exactly. So. Hey, that was me for the first two years of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't listen to it. Let's to match your grin. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you learned eventually. This is it. Um, the, uh, now I want to shift a little bit to talk to you about music because one of the reasons we've become such good friends is because of the stupid music that we mm-hmm. love together. Like we have a, a mutual infatuation, I might dare say, with Paula Abdul, yes. especially not several just, of her music uh, videos. And not just her butt. Uh, no, not just her butt, but Mostly that too. Her butt. Mostly yeah. her butt. Um, but her butt. <laughs> I, I've kid nasty for a while that I want her to do a Paula Abdul act. Everyone remembers Opposites Attract with MC Scat Cat, yep. the uh, mm-hmm. cartoon cat. I want her to do a duet act. She mentioned Evelyn Vinyl, who's also another delightful performer. You're doing screwed, Evelyn. You're You're, you've been cast. It's you. done. But I want to see that act come to life yeah, because it's one of my favorite ridiculous music videos of all time. Or I'll do it with a sock puppet. Whatever. You, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, have done that. I have you've, done that. She has created her own, a puppet version of herself yes. that also strips. Yes. And has a puppet. And has and that puppet has a puppet on its hand. This is stage act. Yeah. This sounds like a really good web series. No, that's, that's actually a, a number. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh lord. Do you have? 
I even dare ask this. I ask musicians their favorite songs and they can never decide. Do you have a favorite act that you like to perform or maybe a, a certain type of act you prefer, you, you really love performing right now maybe? It goes, I mean, it, it, it changes I imagine a it lot. changes, yeah. yeah. Um, the one that I'm really enjoying now because it's, it's, it was the culmination of a, a, deliberately the culmination of a lot of things is my, um, the, the cat act. That, have you seen that one? I don't know if I've seen that one. I haven't done it a lot because it involves carting around an armchair. Oh yes, I think I do remember or this doing act. Doing it in yeah, a venue yeah. that has an mm-hmm. armchair. I think um, I do remember. Yeah. So part of it, actually, part of what I like about that is the music uh, on that <laughs> one. But um, but that one, it's uh, it was I, I so I, I assisted um, some folks in uh, reviewing applications for a festival mm-hmm. uh, a little while ago and. Um, you know, I was all watching a lot of videos and just writing down comments and stuff. And um, and I realized, I mean, you, you, we know since like the dawn of time there have been sexy kitty cat acts and burlesque. But like there was like a good 60% of the stuff submitted was sexy kitty cat acts. and uh, Or just kitty cat acts. Group numbers, solos, whatever. Like stick a tail on it. Oh my God. It's it's <laughs> the burlesque put a bird on it. Put a tail on it. Um, so there were a lot of those. And they're all... You know, sexy cat, and that's real good for performers who can like access that. But for people who maybe don't have that slinky links down, great. It's weird, and um, I also loathe cats, so um, I'm gonna get hate mail. But uh, <laughs> sorry, I should not live with a cat. Fair enough. Or have a cat sit. But as, as on I recall, my stuff she'll I die. <laughs> as I recall, the, the act is like an actual cat. It's act. an actual cat. Like so it's, what a cat so would actually do. I call do. it cats are assholes, um, and it literally is like cone of shame, like ripping the shit out of a out of a armchair. Um, the like there's dead birds. There's um, th- there's a rhinestone butthole because that was the one thing that I remember more than anything about. 15 years with two cats in the house was butthole so much butthole and uninvited butthole um they don't mind showing it no um (laughs) and uh and then there's a there's a litter box full of glitter but there's also a lot of because because there's also like there's chair dances and glitter pours and fan dances and so i'm also trying to fuck with all that burlesque stuff too because i have nothing but contempt for my chosen art form apparently which you know um (laughs) but i you know it's natural to have contempt for your chosen art form (laughs) um so yeah so that i i'm enjoying performing that one but it's also because i don't get to a lot because of the prop issue so um you know, I also like uh, we do bathtub gin shows two or three times a week, and that's a that's a floor show in a restaurant speakeasy kind of thing. And they want more, you know, more classic. Although I I did a wax pour last night to Led Zeppelin, so it's not really you know it doesn't have to be super straight. Um, I can't quit you, baby. Good nice. song. That's okay. a good song. Uh, Led Zeppelin stripper music. Stripper <laughs> oh, music. Oh yeah, I, Led Zeppelin I, stripper music. I have no problem like, admitting that. I don't trust a stripper who's like, nah, I can really get down to Led Zeppelin. I'm like, <laughs> then you, I don't want to talk to you. It's intuitive. Oh my god, like you can't not. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I kind of like that. There, I'm also having to do some like non non cerebral stuff. Right. Not you know just like put put on a costume, take off a costume, pick a song. You know. Um, which is a real good exercise for me. It's yeah. not my ultimate goal as a performer, but it is a really good exercise for a lot of things that were lacking in my in my toolbox. 
Anything uh, that allows you to get into character and then get out of character and into another one really quick, I mm -hmm. think, is any. It's good for an actor. It's good for an actress. It's good for any form of arts that involves acting to any sort. Definitely. So, yeah. And having that. to convince people on the fly who don't necessarily know why there's somebody in a sparkly dress with their tits out in their hors d'oeuvres. Like, for some <laughs> reason, they don't tell people that there's going to be a show sometimes. And so you're yeah. like, hi, nice to meet you, boobs. Like, <laughs> it's and it's interesting. And people, it's real interesting being literally... It, like not even a foot away from people. Like you can touch them if you want, um, and we'd like I to because we like to. And sometimes it's <laughs> so wonderful, and they're just like, "Oh my god, that blew my mind! It was great!" And sometimes you take your their phones away from them and give of them course. to the waiters until you're done, wow. um, which is kind of fun too. I'm sure. Um, How volatile. <laughs> the music for your acts. Do you f find that you pick a song and then create around it, or do you kind of just search for songs to match the stupidity you create? It goes back and forth. It Sometimes does. it is literally, I have to do a number to this song. I don't know what it is. Sometimes it's oh my god, I see the total stupid thing that right. would go with this. And sometimes it's, I want to do a number as a figurehead on a ship. And it took me a long time to find the music for that, for right. that number. Um, went through a lot of stuff. Did you end up just looking up like sea shanties and stuff? Um, I, I tried a lot of sea shanties. I tried a lot of um, just songs about oceans and <sighs> stuff. And then I think I ended up, what did I end up with? Sitting on the dock of the bay, yeah. but a, but a, a kind of weird remix of it. Yeah. It was it was definitely one of the more interesting musical choices I yeah. remember because it was just it was something I'd not expected. When I don't have a huge musical knowledge, as we've discovered tonight earlier, um, but I, <laughs> well, I mean, this was an interesting choice. Well, this we'll I mean, it. this we'll one it. itself is, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that I I'm like, uh, you know, we'll just type something into one of the one of the music interweb music things and go from there because. I literally like I don't know if it if it was on one of my '80s compilation CDs then I know it but other than that I but it is an important component because you do have to choose the music Absolutely. in the end for Absolutely. every act so it and may I'll... just be that that when that's your profession and that's the mm -hmm. task that's the capacity in which you're usually involved with music then that tends to be where you stay and it tends like, to color how I listen to music too I mean yeah. a lot of times it's real hard for me to listen to any song without, without sort of thinking could I do something with is this it possible? Yeah. Uh, it's funny because is it burlesque mm -hmm. we like often that. talk about how we have trouble listening to music casually anymore like yeah. I could listen to bands that I didn't enjoy as much more casually mm -hmm. like a Maroon 5, their early stuff, I would listen to and be like, oh, this is all right, it's fun. But now I listen to it and go, I hate it, it's terrible, everything's yeah. wrong with this. And yeah, I kind of hate that, yeah. but also... There's the arc of this album. Yeah. Wow. I've told Nasty before, and I've told a few other performers, I've done sound for burlesque long enough and seen enough acts that even I am starting to do that. Oh, yeah. And, like, I, I still want to do a zombie act to Re Your Brains by Jonathan Colton. That's wonderful. Where I'm a zombie and strippers are stripping me. Mm -hmm. and somebody, can, somebody sent me that song whoa. once as a, like... Oh, I think we were doing a, a reading, a, a zombies reading, and yeah, that's a yeah. great song. That's a good song. Well, yeah, it's a nice slow groove. I that that's an easy song. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, it, it's slow groove. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I guess this is a good place to transition though into the album you brought. Smooth. Yeah, I'm segways <laughs> for days. <laughs> I just did a segue. She, she motioned Motion internet segue. It's, to, that's, as a Oh, it's, Audio. it's not visual. Audio Crap. medium. They're way too common in malls now. Way, way too Segways? Common. Oh, it's the security vehicle is a segue. It creeps it up on you. Too. And I mean, it literally creeps yeah. up on you. It's just there. It well, doesn't make any noise. Electric cars, seeing them pass in the street is eerie because mm -hmm. they make 
no noise. There's no engine. It's just they make noise. They don't make a lot Dude, of noise. The Teslas make no, no noise. That's, None. That's it's even, even hybrids. It's like a matchbox car. car. They fart out unicorns. Even hybrids are silent. Under five not, miles an hour, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's bizarre. watch out for those. But I don't know. I like the Teslas. Oh, I like like it, it's like they're pretty. Mm, it's it, pretty is not the, the the metric to measure cars. All right. Fair, but oh, still. I don't know. Uh, I, mean, I like old cars, so that's thank you. Pretty is a old cars. Yeah, we don't do pretty anymore. So. I think it's time I bring up that the, it's not the worst way to segue by talking about segways. That so I think we I think we did well. Actually. We've done we've done worse. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I segue back into back yeah, so into tell us a little yeah. bit about the album you brought us today. I'll let you introduce it um, and and just oh, why you chose it. Yeah, absolutely. We have been discussing um, that we probably are going to mispronounce this because um, we are American. So um, so uh, the album that I chose after much deliberation and back and forth was um, Donker Mag by we're going to say. I'm going to say Die Antwoord. We could also say Die Antwoord. Um, I don't know because I am not. Uh, it is a South African um, group, so. Well, listeners are just waiting to Google this mm-hmm, and they'll exactly. find out quick. Um, so Google it and maybe you can tell us. Give us uh, a point yeah. in the comments. Just, you know, there you go. Point. That's it. Yeah. Um, so this album, actually, this, this is a group that I discussed discovered sort of by accident on an airplane. Um, not them, actually. Just, uh, they were sitting next yeah, to you? Were not sitting oh there. That would have been Amazing. probably weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was one of the, they like, flipping the channels on the Virgin, you know, and they, they a video came up and I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, you guys said I could swear, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're way past um, that. So uh, yeah, and I just the one song that I heard and then they actually um, went into an interview with, um, with Ninja, one of the um, band members and um, he was talking about I guess the video that they showed was um, was a song that wasn't on this album um, that is was a reaction I'm still not clear about what happened but apparently they got in a fight with Lady Gaga um, <laughs> so the video was basically um, a reaction piece bitch slapping Lady Gaga like <laughs> actually and literally like there was somebody in an, in the video as Lady Gaga and it, it was weird and um and I was like, all right, these people are assholes, and the music's good, so I think I can get behind this. Um, and then I sort of went and looked for some of their other stuff, and um, yeah, and so now to listen to it as a whole album instead of just the couple songs that I've been obsessed with is is kind of cool. And I, I like also, we've had a run, both you and our last guest, guest who you are familiar with, Mr. Matt Holtzclaw. Ah, yes. Um, he also, we had to go through stages of figuring out an yeah. album, and he also picked something that he wasn't super familiar with. Mm-hmm. It was something mm-hmm. he just knew kind of... Ancillarily, that's a word, right? I'm going. It with is it. now. You said it. Uh, that's true. Um, and so I think it's refreshing. And I said on that episode too. I like when I'm blindsided by something I'm not expecting because mm-hmm. I feel like our reactions tend to be more natural. Whereas if it's a band we have expectations oh, of, absolutely, we're we're even if we try not to, we're prejudging a yeah. little bit. And here, I literally had no idea what to expect. In fact, I've been forced to say at gunpoint on air that I thought they were a folk act. I don't know why. I just did, and I was very wrong. They are not. They are a rave. Rap or rap, rave, rave, rap, rap. one of the two like combinations. That. And actually, that drew me to them very early when we were doing the podcast. I almost brought them on yeah. their previous album, uh, Tensions, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recognized the album art because it was so. It was really provocative. It's just a, a like a bloody red spot yeah. low, with lots of white angelic kind of a look. And it was one of those ones that kind of caught my eye. And I didn't even know it, but I knew them in a completely different form because they were actually two of the starring actors in Chappie and that was they were like spot on great for that film 
And I kind of fell in love with them as actors, as an, an actor-actress. I didn't even know they were in a band. I didn't even know they were uh, a couple that they have a daughter together and everything like that. And when I was listening to this, I recognized the voice and couldn't place it for the longest oh, time. Right. Like I, I didn't even make the album connection oh, until earlier funny. today. And when I was Googling them, I saw the, the, the pictures of the two of them together. I was like, oh my God, Chappie! Oh, now I can love them in something completely different. And so that's what we were, were here to do today. Um, I, I, I had no familiarity with them. I even went back and listened to their quote-unquote big single that was listed on Wikipedia, and I had not heard it, it before. Which is kind of refreshing to find hip-hop that I haven't heard before, because mm-hmm. I listen to a lot. This may come as a shock to people, but I'm really into indie rap. I know everyone who listens to this in my other show had no idea. It's, it's, it's not a visual medium, so you can't tell that I'm doing my surprised face. Yeah, but it's a good surprise mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. Well, uh. jumping over that point, because I also didn't expect this to be rap rave, rave, rap, whatever it is. I didn't expect <laughs> whatever they anything. Kind of quantify it as, uh, yes. So just, I guess, to fill in the fourth expectation here, I had no expectations, and frankly, uh, my feelings on this album are rather complex. This is mm-hmm. this is kind of strange, but this is the first album in, in several weeks in our podcast here that actually has challenged me huh. in a while. And I mean that in the sense that this album is an extremely eclectic, moment-by-moment blend of things that I either like, love, hate, I'm intrigued by, I'm bored by, appalled by, and also extremely amused by. And no album recently has challenged me to that extent. So, because recent albums, they've mostly been pretty clear cut. Like, yeah. we, we, we know we love them, and now it's a matter of proving it and kind of <laughs> whittling away the other stuff or the vice versa. So, yeah, we have a lot to discuss, and I imagine maybe a lot to argue about. Um, which should be said, because I don't think it has been said, they are from South Africa. Has that been said? Um, yes. I believe Nasty mentioned that, but it's always Maybe? worth mentioning mm-hmm. again. Okay. It was All right. Well, let's hammer that home because it's actually, I think, a very important element of this album. Yes, definitely. Um, the accent, first and foremost, which you will hear in the very first track. Um, which is an intro skit and... Uh, I, th- I heard in a South African accent. Yeah, absolutely. I think Although John suspected it was a clip. No, it's not a clip. I think they're actually no, I think quoting it's a something. Quote. Yeah, he's quoting it's Scarface. If but I'm it's him not talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's quoting yeah. a movie, I think. But and it was. It, well, he it, did. It was. It didn't sound Latino. So oh, no, 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 no. Sure, no. no. Uh, but in this case, it actually gives you uh, just an idea of what the sort of pacing you're going to get for the musicians on this, for the rapping. Mm-hmm. You understand what you're going to hear, the voices you're going to hear right away, which is a, a, a positive thing. But that said, it's not music. This is a, right. a full-fledged introduction. Here is here is both the attitude and the voice that's going to be the primary focus of this album, the two musicians and what they're going to try to present. Because mm-hmm. it's called Don't Fuck Me. So you kind of know what you're getting right away in a lot of ways. And he's essentially on this voicemail he's leaving, say, telling this person, Tony, I believe, to not <laughs> fuck him. Don't do it. And it's just, I think there's something interesting about the over-the-top character mm-hmm. that whether he's sincere or not, it feels so over-the-top that I can't help but be amused by it. Um, I mean, Ninja is just kind of embracing this, this very in-your-face attitude through most of this record, and and you get it right up front here. But then they immediately but, disperse that at the exactly. tail end, because yeah. then uh, Yolandi steps in and says, Ninja, who are you speaking to? And Ninja says, oh, I was just leaving a message for Tony. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 It also sets up appointment, that, you know? that this whole thing is, uh, there's a huge element of parody, self-parody, tongue-in-cheek. Um, I, think, I, I think that they are very much a, they're, they're musicians, but I think they're also, you know, really performance art mm-hmm. um, yeah. and and that's clear right from the beginning because of we're not starting with a song we're starting with this with this skit with this voiceover with this 
spoken word piece. It, it was based on, I mentioned this earlier, but there was a, a quote I heard earlier in the week, and maybe it's an obvious uh, an obvious statement perhaps to anyone who is immersed in the hip-hop community, but it is the concept that rap is theater. And mm. since rap is theater or hip-hop in general is theater, um, you have to look through it at, through that lens, which is good actually that we have a theater person present today. Mm. Otherwise, you, uh, we, might be, we might be wary of actually going down that lens. You can look at rap in a lot of different ways, but I feel like that's really more the intent, so that's probably where the focus should lie, as opposed right. to just the bare-bones musicality of it, or well, let's I say the concept of uh, how good the musicians are. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's more about the theatrical element itself. And the fact that rappers more than other musical performers really, I think, perform characters. Yeah. Yeah, they embrace personas you know? and whether they become that or not. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, you take a look at Snoop Dogg now and Snoop Dogg even 10 years ago mm -hmm. and it's he's evolved and changed. Mm -hmm. Whether that's actually him or an exaggeration of him, like he's clearly... There's a maturity about him nowadays that was definitely But there's not still a character to yeah. it. Like, but it's still like, yeah. I'm, I'm happy he abandoned Snoop Lion. Well, that was his R&B name. Was, it wasn't yeah, his rap name. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so happy that they didn't stick around, though. I mean, it just doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. Um, but from here, we go to track two, Ugly Boy, which is right from the get-go, considering we get Don't Fuck Me, it's, it's a bright song. Yeah. It's a bright song that... Uh, Yolandi is starting her pixie voice right away, and it, it's it's just very high, and it's it enrapturing it too. Yeah, like, like it pulls you right in. I love her voice. I, I think that I, her I, voice. I think we are unanimous yeah. on that. Just about. Yeah. yeah, this is an interesting thing because even despite what I just said about you know you could view it through the musicality, but it really is more about the theater. I feel like this is an element, uh, considering the way her voice, the way her voice sounds, and the way his voice sounds. Mm -hmm. It's really both at once. Yes. Because it's just a sonic experience to hear how incredibly high pitched she is and how squeaky and just clean and cutesy. But yet it it's not that if you look at the lyrics and then. He is always kind of just grounding down this this more mid mid range baritone accent, and just the the polarization of that is fascinating to witness, and that's there pretty much throughout the entire album. But this is where we get it smacking us in the face. They very much set up the um, the interplay between their two characters in this first in this first song as well, first song, second track. But um, that you know, it's not it's not a case where. Ninja's the rapper and Yolandi's the backup and yeah. uh, you know she's, she's they both get a fair yeah. shake at doing singing and rapping mm -hmm. and they intermingle really well their voices too I think yeah. they play off each other really well and this is the first track we get a sense of that rap rave kind of feel there's a lot of electronic tones not a lot of physical instruments from what I can yeah, tell I don't though so. there was the bass kind of groove that did flow on it top of it felt like a bass guitar mm -hmm. the first but verse introduced it but it really did do a lot to fly, fly on top of it it doesn't feel all natural, like yeah. through and through, mm -hmm. but it is a nice little, like, especially in the third verse when Yolandi's uh, doing her bigger piece, having that kind of just dipping around what she's doing, it's a great cr contrast between yeah. the two, and it does a lot to play with the brighter tones that's a real heavy part of the percussion of this track. Well, she's mostly a part of the hook itself. Yeah. The hook itself goes, Ooh, I love my ugly boy. So rough and tough. Don't care about anything but me. Yes, I just love him because he's so crazy. Just crazy about me. And I'm not going to go up to that register. But it, it's, it's, it's silly just on the face of it. Absolutely. But at the yep. same time, it's a little bit endearing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's, it's unfair to say that there's probably some people out there that are going to be a little bit turned on by this because she's constantly sexualized throughout mm -hmm. the entirety of this. Um, and... 
then there's his voice, which is interesting because even though I described it as being a little more toward the baritone, especially in his verses, they sound more deadened. They they contrast because they lack the animation that she has. So there's just another way in which they're polarized. And if they were both in that space, it would be intolerable. So that's, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I think the fact that there's that dichotomy kind of gives it the breath it needs mm-hmm. to get through the music. Which is why I argue, once again, because that it's theater, because mm-hmm. it's really that of a cartoon. It's, it it's that like it. brand of theater. Yeah, and and I mean, the song, it con- contextually, I mean, feels more or less just like a club song, but I think that the, the difference in their voices, mixed with the electronic tones, mixed with the kind of wave sign feel of the track, mm-hmm. It makes it engaging, almost hypnotic. Mm-hmm. And it's not super duper complicated. I feel like it's yeah. just yeah. The, the mixed elements together. And we've talked about this before with pop, rock, like all sorts of different genres. When you kind of take a bunch of fairly simplistic things at their core and mix them together right, the production really gives it the character that it didn't have individually. That was actually, going back to something you just said, The, the it's not super complicated. That was probably my my big detractor for this track. Like, I, I kind of wanted something a little bit grander considering everything else that had been set up just in, like, the first two verses. When verse three does come in, there, it's it's sort of a tear-down, rebuild kind of a thing. And that was that's kind of what everybody does late in the track. That's kind of what you come to expect with rap and with electronica. Like, you go low and then build the instruments back in, maybe slowly, maybe quickly. But it's not something, like different and there's so much other pieces in here that are different it was it was disappointing that it was in fact a touchstone but the question is different as opposed to what and that's the que- that's why i tend to be just as a rule a lot more forgiving of first tracks mm-hmm. because different as opposed to the vast majority of hip hop that's out there sure it's different because you already have just that aesthetic which is definitely reliant upon their voices and that's the way in which it is already standing out so i didn't expect very much from the music i will agree that i i i start feeling those desires later in in other albums not necessarily this album but in in most cases that's where you want them to be a little bit more experimental first track uh they have a shtick and that impresses me alone mm-hmm. i mean i will honestly say with with the rap that i listen to mostly today the only person i can, can compare this to sort of format wise is maybe lewis logic because he uses synthesizers right. and he raps his verses and sings his choruses but still i mean vocally he's nowhere near what these two are doing but structurally i can see some similarities but he's more indie rock mixed with hip-hop where this is clearly something different and in the next track happy go sucky fucky we get something that's really different with a a trance piece we should say right here that we usually try to keep it from explicit but as you can tell nasty curses like a sailor shut up and um so do these folks that we were listening to today so we once reviewed an album called fuck off get free weep or light and everything so that was in the title that was in the album title nice it had to be in the if you have a problem with cursing maybe this isn't the episode trigger Trigger we're we're, That's a we're, thing now. we're That's like a the thing. Deadpool of podcasts now. Yeah. We're rated R. Anyway, <laughs> trance, and this is like frantic trance. Yeah. It's right way more face. intense than yeah. the last track. And yeah. it's I I love my electronica. I love my old school trance, mm-hmm. and this is already reminiscent of that. But this is the first time when vocals on top of it is not ruining it for me and that is that's almost hard for me to say because oh. i don't like vocals in my trance but i'm actually more interested in what what's going on with the vocalists than i am with the music for once See, now that's interesting, because when it comes to trance, it's not a genre that I had such strong feelings about prior to be like, oh, 
vocals it's better without vocals it's better it, it, it just it was trance and I, I don't know maybe growing <laughs> up in Staten Island and the, considering it was always such a like a club setting mm -hmm. uh, dynamic it, it didn't do anything for me here I'm I'll be the first to admit the vocals make it they oh, make yeah. this yeah. track Absolutely. work and they make it so much more inventive um, than the previous track and I'm not to offend the trance fans out there but the fact that I'm putting inventive trance more <laughs> inventive perhaps than the previous track that's incredible for me well it's not just the fact that the vocals are really are adding something to it's the fact that layers are dipping in and out throughout the song and new ideas are being presented all the time. Every verse, every like stanza of the music itself feels like there's something new going on. Always adding something, always pulling something out for the little instrumentals, and of course the vocals are, they, they ride with those changes. There's lots of little inserts where she'll get really soft and just go into this, this zone. We live the life we love. We love the life we live. We live the life we love. We love the life we live. A little tongue twister there, but yeah. it's, yeah. it's it's neat. Um, and she sends, seems so in a trance as, as, you, as she says it, so you feel like I'm, hey. I'm being pulled into the trance because she's already being, she's made the trance, she's pulling me into the trance it's just ironically enough the whole genre is trance I, it's just it's say trance one more time yeah. I'll, I'll try okay it'll come up I, I think that this song is interesting also because it's just it's so much more intense than the previous track and it still has a hint of silliness I mean title with, notwithstanding or withstanding depending on how you look at it I don't know um, it's just I think her delivery often just sounds silly and adorable at the same time, but also the actual lyrics are doing that too. Besides the one that you read that she delivers softly, like some of the other stuff in the song just seems so over the top, almost anthemic. But this isn't a where we're in a place where it feels kind of natural to the song to be chanting along or or yelling like this rallying cry. Do you mean the verse, okay, bitch, get the fuck off me. I freak you the fuck out because I choose to be free. Fuck your rules. Who are you to tell me what I can do and can't do? Fuck you, bitch. You just want to be me. Well, I mean, there's the mantra of this is techno. <laughs> this is where it's techno time to heartbeat. Right, exactly. Techno heartbeat. Yeah, of course. It's just, yeah. Of course. It's just silly, but it's wonderful. I mean, it, it at that moment it doesn't seem that silly. Focalizing what the music's doing. Yes. But um, specifically to that verse, this is the kind of thing. Uh, going back to what I said at the very beginning of this album, and how there are some things that like they appall me on one level, but they mm -hmm. also intrigue me on another level. This part from just uh, trance not being a genre that I was really that immersed in prior. Well, this brand of rap, or rather, this brand of subject matter that is. Traditionally imposed on top of rap, or let's say gangster rap, the kind that is always just you know fuck your rules, fuck society, fuck the man, fuck who's who's telling me to do whatever at this given moment. It was always so, I guess, cliche. Cliche is the word. Mm -hmm. I, I because guess because that's what was sort of popularized. By rote is another word. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's it's sort of the 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 foot forward that everybody thinks rap is trying to do, or at least uh, in its termination, what rap was trying to do. It, but when it started actually hitting the main scene, I mean, everybody had the idea, oh yeah, no, it's just people saying, fuck the police, let's do something big, I got money, I got mine, but it sort of, it wasn't a very good first impression in just society in general. It's, it's specifically it's because, because that, yeah. well, the irony I find in it is that it always... It came across as me as saying I don't I don't seek nor want your respect yet the yet the very nature of saying those words is sort of a 
matter of saying I do want your respect, because otherwise this wouldn't anger me so. And yet I always felt deep down that I didn't respect the whole concept of being obsessed with respect. That was just my, where I was coming from. But now, filtered through the lens of satire, and filtered through the lens of what we get here, it, it, it's so hilarious that I have to be amused by it. And because I'm already so invested in the music, all of this stuff just kind of gets thrown out the window and I find myself laughing my way through it and enjoying my way through it, which is uh, quite the upset for a genre I thought I knew. Well, I think it's also the theatricality, which we've already started to see quite a bit, it's the delivery. It's how they're presenting us with the idea that really sells me more than the idea itself. I think, and as we go into more songs throughout the album, that becomes more and more. How they're delivering it and, and, and how they're performing it. Like Nasty said, this is performance art as well as music. And they're one and the same here. It's just they're so intertwined and you get that just through this audio med medium. I want to watch the music videos for the, for whatever the singles were from this album. I have to go back and find them because I imagine they're just as off the wall. Well, Cookie mm -hmm. Thumper was one of them. I guess we'll get to that. Yeah. It's refreshing to see them so go to see them go over the top so yeah. much because there's always that rule about uh, well if you want to bring people in then the first thing is to open yourself up a little bit. Put one little little of uh, wall of, of humility. Just just put that up front, and then they'll break down the wall, and then they'll find out who you really are. But here, you get lines that are just, they're, they're almost unreal. They still kind of stay in that cartoonish environment. Uh, we live the life we love. We love the life we live. I do what I want to do, sweetheart. That's my prerogative. We live the life we love. We love the life we live. Don't need no one uh, fucking up my shit. It's just, it's it's constantly one one little trope after the other, but I enjoy it, and I believe it's, it's they're aware of it in the process. Well, I think that, uh, speaking to what you just said, Instead of trying to be humble and, and inviting people in, they're doing the exact opposite because nothing creates desire more than denial. So here they're they're physically saying, no, go away, we don't like you, don't like us, go, I don't need you or anything like that. And by saying no, someone wants it more. And in this case, mm -hmm. I like the idea of, of using that sort of a concept in a song like this. By, first of all, things like that breakdown that happens two-thirds of the way through the track. Right. I haven't heard a quality breakdown like that in trance in a while, and it was great. I'll take your word for it. So the show in pieces like this, they're making solid backup music and forefront music as well. They're having great vocals, and then they're saying no, you, you no. They're telling me no, so I'm already enjoying <laughs> this. It's that denial makes it sweeter. So listening to it, I'm I'm. I'm really enjoying the intelligence that seems to be behind this, as well as just the fact that it's musically really engaging. It's an interesting idea, though, this uh, this thing of we don't need your approval, we do what we want. Mm -hmm. But that is such a universal sentiment. Exactly. So that, that you can't help but hear these songs... Any of these songs that are, you know, I don't, I don't care what you say. I'm gonna just be me because you hear that and you're like, yeah, I just want to be me. I don't care what the bitches yeah. say. I'm gonna do me. You do you. I do me. And it's, it's escalating effort. Exactly. And and it is. It's it's somehow welcoming at the same time because you're like, yeah, we, we all feel like I feel like that. That's me. You're talking to me, and yeah. you're not. You're saying we fuck you. Bitch. <laughs> Literally, fuck you, bitch. Exactly. We're just gonna be me. Like it, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of insane. And of course, the last thing to mention about this is well, this is where we get start getting little little bits of perhaps little innards of uh, political ongoings in South mm -hmm. Africa, for mm -hmm. instance. Mm -hmm. uh, they have uh, they have a lot to talk about. They have a lot to complain about. Um, certainly, they're they're 
political issues uh, involving like race relations and whatnot are more recent and more heated perhaps than uh, certainly than what America's going through and it's it's interesting it's interesting to see that from our perspective and I realize this would this would very much vary if for instance we were a South African podcast talking about mm -hmm. this then we'd be a little bit more informed for for us as Americans this comes off first and foremost as an aesthetic curiosity because you feel like it's at arm's length and at the, and that therefore you can sort of just witness it without feeling I guess without too much empathy that it either causes you to to sympathize with one side or sympathize with the other um, but that in some sense allows us to take it at face value aesthetic art. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, know, you, as lost opposed, you lost okay, me. Okay, well, at least but I lost someone. But the other someone. two got it, so... <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was looking for. Um, anyway, the specific lyrics I'm talking about are our Zeph rights get sued, some poofies in the hood, la-di-da-di-da, -di -da, yo, we party, till the cops go woo. People think I'm interesting, cause I have fun, do my own thing. I don't smile, I snarl for the camera, golden tooth goes shing. Well, first of all, the word Zeph, and this is gonna come up later, mm -hmm. apparently means common. It means common as in the common people? I think it's uh, the same way that the British use the word shav, um, ah. which also, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those, um, it's an insult to say to somebody else, but it's a point of pride to say to yourself about yourself. Interesting. Um, so it is a kind of like, yeah, we're just people. We're the people. But to say to somebody else, it's like, oh, you're just dirt. Uh, um, so it's it's kind of an owner, ownership versus a, an insult thing. Yeah. So it comes from, yeah, it seems to be coming from a place of, of deep-rooted sarcasm. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I, I get a little... You know, it, it, it makes me curious, I think, to really read more about the history of the country. Um, and perhaps that's not necessarily their intent, because on the face of it, well, they're just using a, uh, an element of what they know. Mm -hmm. It's what they know, it's what they're surrounded by. So therefore, it relates with their desire to, I guess, desire respect, that's it. So now we go to track four, which there's, Czars. Which there's a link here, because mm -hmm. this Very track is, it starts mostly with just vocal, I mean, it's all vocals, there's music that comes in later, but it's it's... Um, ninja speaking about and in different accents. Yeah, and and what and I, languages and well. languages and what I what I love about it is, me personally, I am a guy who digs accents and I'm always fascinated by them, interested by them. But here, to hear him talk about it and then go to a place where then eventually I don't even understand what he's saying at all. I'm still really intrigued by it, and it's just there's this kind of chip on his shoulder attitude about it, like he's he's educating you. Well, it's another area where South Africa is just a unique place because what did he say? 11 different languages? Yeah. 11, 11 national, national, national languages. languages. I, think mm. I don't think there's any other more, country that can claim that. I think there's tribal languages as well, yeah. too, I believe. Uh, not counting the, the main, which is British, Dutch, Afrikaans. Um, and he goes into at least a sampler of that just to give it. And the chip on your shoulder definitely comes through until finally the track erupts into this this almost a position of outright anger because yeah. it's pretty pared down in the beginning mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it just explodes where he's in a completely different language can't say exactly which plead ignorance on that one um but in the background it's just this like industrial gurgle it sounds like people thrashing on drums in the background and it, it's at that point i got the distinct impression this was this was not necessarily meant for us or if it is meant for us we can only just take it once again at face value and say that guy he's, he's, he's concerned about something well they there clearly are language um, I think the, the language that one speaks in one chooses to speak in one uses at different times is is um, I think clearly a, a, a very 
big topic yeah. um, in you know in in that this this culture in this country that again like you said this isn't meant for us I don't I can yeah. only listen to this as an as an outsider and but uh, but it's it's an it's an interesting idea and something that I'd love to actually go learn more about well it sparked quite a yeah, good clearly com- we're on the peripheral of this yeah, but i think absolutely. i made that clear earlier. Absolutely. well it also sparked interesting conversation just between us as we were listening to the mm-hmm. album before the show and i think that's the power of this track and i think it's why this album interests me so much and this track especially is because it it, it begs discussion and sparks discussion and i think that's also because of this chip on his shoulder delivery at one point we have no idea what he's talking about we can imagine he's pretty angry about it though and i'm kind of curious to know what either so I can relate, so I can rally, maybe so I can be just be educated. It's just, it's interesting. Well, for instance, one of the big conversations we were having pre-podcast was just the case of, I found it interesting that this should even need to be said, I suppose, if, for, if this was broadcast to a worldwide audience, because this is not the same kind of thing that you would necessarily find, I think, on an American album, mm-hmm. because there is not the case of necessarily speaking to the rest of the world. There's a little bit of like ethnocentrism here. It's like, well, America is most of the producers of albums, so hence whatever we produce is, we kind of expect it to stay in its own little circle. And if other people like it, sure. But then for a South African album, my instinct was that this was originally an advertisement, I think, more of a call, plead to actually inform the rest of the world a little bit. Like, this is the kind of issues we have to deal with. For us, language, it's a accent, it's a much bigger deal, and it's very, very rooted in our history, for instance. Um, but then I started seeing it in the reverse. By the time the track was done, I started seeing it that maybe it really is just their own little diary entry, their their journal entry, and it is a whole a wholly South African experience which doesn't really need the rest of the world's commentary at all. I mean, it's definitely the most personal and, I think, sincere moment we've gotten so far on the album. Like, this yeah. is honest. There's not, It's not, as far as I can tell anyway, tongue-in-cheek. It's not a joke. It's not a gag. It's honest how he feels in that moment. And, uh, yeah, that's another album experience I had altogether mm-hmm. because we're going from something that I was just flat-out laughing at on one level to kind of then eh, sort of putting in a little bit here, and now finally I, I, I'm, I'm extending empathy. So... Yeah, that's a lot to pack in in three tracks. Mm-hmm. Right, and especially with this fourth track, it wasn't that long either. It was, you know, a little over a minute. Yeah. So it wasn't even a full song. There was some instrumentation, but it was more or less the delivery of this dialogue. Um, it does connect, however, to a song called Raging Zeph Boner. Which brings back the laughs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and this, the, the whole intro is a play on Pinky and the Brain, the two vocalists having this discussion about what they want to do tonight, you know, kick Zeph rhymes and, 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 and take over the world, like clearly influenced by cartoons of an era for sure and, and making it feel cartoony. And I called it like this faux bro attitude, like a fake bro attitude, because at first it it's just being delivered like a bro or, or someone who is like, you know, very aggressive delivering it. But then as the song progresses, it feels more tongue in cheek. It feels more like a character is putting on for the song and not so much a sincere delivery of this kind of in your face attitude. Which took well, me a couple of listens to actually to actually make have that realization, I think. It's the percussion that really draws in that idea for me because the percussion is it's not off key, but it wants to be off key. It's not it's it's just not quite right, not quite straight in its head because it's got an idea of like maybe a carousel going on, maybe a saunter going on. Like there's different layers to it itself, but the whole thing feels like it's being filtered through a madhouse to me. It's all over the place, and I'm loving it for that. And it pauses. And that's another thing I love pointing out is when a song knows when to take a breath and do mm-hmm. something different. Because mm-hmm. every time it pauses, 
it reinvents what it was doing earlier. It's the same reason why I love track three. It was very engaging, but it was it was the madhouse instead of something that was musically evolving. It was something that was like mentally screwing with me. I at times it feels like it's trying to make fun of me, and I love it for it. This was easily my favorite track on the album, and oh, wow. it was for musical reasons, in fact, because of just something about the meter. The meter in which he sings these raps, I, 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 I couldn't even, I, I can't even really convey it properly. It's something, it, it just felt tight, 100% front to back. It was the most fun to listen to. It has this bounce to it, and the bounce does sound kind of like circusy, kind of goofy. It's, 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 it's... it's jaunty but at the same time just a little bit threatening but like mock threatening and then through that he's busy you know talking it up and once again this completely challenges my misconceptions i never thought i would really like adore a track like this but it was stuck in my head after the first time i listened to it and i i, I had to listen to it again and again um and that's pretty much it <laughs> i think for me also the fact that it, it reminds me of a band mindless self-indulgence because what uh jimmy urine their lead singer tends to do often when he sings is self-deprecation and like you know singing like he's a big big rap star and a gangster but really kind of taking the piss out of himself mm -hmm. and there's a lot of that in this song it was yeah. it, it, this is sort of like uh, a new version of ultra sex yes yeah which was such a a weird song in and of itself it's it's uh, the the chorus was i've been denied all the best ultra sex which is a very odd thing to talk about <laughs> um and the way it's presenting, it's it's he, he almost sounds like his voice is cracking as he's doing it. This is that same sort of vein because he's going on and on about all the girls that are in love with him that that he's that he's banging that he's that he's messing around with and everything like that. And he's calling himself he's calling it a raging Zeph boner, which we've looked up is a boner, <laughs> common boner. Yeah, it's he he at one point he talks about his big black dick, and this guy is not a. He's white. He's white. So uh, I don't know what he's doing here. He's just really, I guess, talking himself up in a really interesting way. Well, I think it's acknowledging the, um, you know, acknowledging. Yeah, I, I might be, I might be this guy, but I'm awesome at me. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, and he's talking I'm, about his I'm Instagram, Zeph, but and I'm he's Zeph. he's sending awesome. out pictures and getting boobies in reply. Mm -hmm. and boobies, boobies, boobies. Look at this, those boobies. Because uh, that's the thing that totally happens when you send strangers your private parts; they send you theirs back. Well, no. the, it, according no, to him, it happens quite a bit. <laughs> it was Apparently. flooded with just women showing showing boobies everywhere. Like I said, politically it might be more complex, but I just like the the phrasing of the raging Zeph boner. If it actually means ra raging common boner. <laughs> That's silly. That's just right. Of that's course. just flat out silly. Um, but yeah, it's it's the attitude I think that makes this this track a, a success for me. So, all right. And well, then the fact that it um, goes ends in and moves into the next track, which is humble, um, which is wonderful. It is um, it is Yolandi uh, laughing, just giggling just away for a minute for and sixteen a minute seconds. And sixteen seconds, and it is it is beautiful. But I do love that we end this this. Um, this song about you know I'm sending out pictures I'm getting boobies I'm getting all these girls and all this and it just ends with her just laughing and laughing and laughing like yeah. as if she's just laughing at him it's, yeah but, but the whole thing is it's like it, after a while it goes from oh oh cute laughter to oh kind of sexy oh kind of I think very sexy yeah. forced kind and then and then kind of maniacal because mm -hmm. why are you laughing so hard for so long like this like and there's are, it's also it, strange not to hear anything else in the mix yeah. like at least it, laughter is contagious you'd expect it to be a group thing but it's just her there, there, there's, well, there are hints of sound effects in the background like I 
feel like I heard a smacking sound oh, or yeah, something. I think so. And so it sounds like it's almost kind of a foreplay too. Like maybe there's a sexual act happening well, behind the scenes there are lines. while she's giggling. There are yes. the lines. Like she spits out things like this gag is funny. Like obviously mm-hmm. she's even talking about, oh yeah, no, no, this last few tracks or what we or what we just said. Yeah, no, this was this was a good joke. It's a gag. Is it just flat out dis- disreputing the entire last track? Is that I it? don't I don't even know. I don't care. I was just kind of scared by the end of it. <laughs> a little turned on, but mostly scared. Well, and I like that then we we do only hear her voice then cuz you know what? Maybe you should be scared. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we get we get a, a taste of that I think later on when we have her on solo on another track. But but I think it's also interesting to just I can't think of another album that's done this. Like someone just laughing for a minute and 16 seconds? Well, there was Spike Jones uh, did the laughing song well, in the 50s. But, yes. But um, that was I, a different idea. Yeah, yes. that was, I, I don't think he was doing something quite this uh, pure, maybe. Really weird. Um, yeah. It's the context that makes it work. I yeah, really don't I, think. Yeah. I think that if you just took one of these tracks apart from the other, it would be it would feel a little empty, or you would feel like maybe it was one of the pack, or you wouldn't start perceiving all the little satire or attributing the satire layers that we actually are attributing. I think it would just be like, eh, well, there's a nice uh, hip hop trap or rap rave, whatever they call them. Mm-hmm. But this this, as you experience it, one flow into the other, you're 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 driven to the heights of of giggling, like you are, just from the ridiculous of it all, and then into feeling you know a lot of empathy and and then suddenly back up to giggling and track seven it's kind of in the middle cookie thumper let me just read the first verse here there once was a little girl who had a crush on a bad bad boy but when that bad boy got out of prison that little girl's ass was in big big trouble and then after that it's a lot of a language that is not english and i can't help you it sounds uh, very guttural because we got Yolandi. Uh, she's changed her voice. She's changed her attitude as well. It sounds no longer that very nice, sweet pixie. It's it's definitely taken a turn for someone who's a little bit harsher, a little bit more world weary in some ways. Because there's attitude here that definitely wasn't present in any of her previous vocal work, and it's a little bit of a little trippy for me to hear that seems to be her answer to to his song to yeah. his song yeah because this so, is bragging from the f- from a female perspective mm-hmm. and it's very um it, you know it's obviously it's very sexualized i mean a lot of their stuff is but um it's it is i mean i i think it's interesting yes that we go right from you know raging zeph boner we have this little interlude of of this laughter and whatever is happening to cause this or to during this and then yeah and then i think this is this is her response it, it also evolves in a way musically that I like because it gets more intense and louder as it goes on. It doesn't just kind of stay even. Like um, Raging Zeph Boner kind of stayed even more or less. I mean, there were highs and lows, but more or less it stayed within the framework it was delivering. Whereas here, it does t- kind of tend to build and get a little more in your face. That's why over the course of these three tracks, I tend to visualize a rap battle. And yes, that yes, she has—that's why I said she's she's reputing him mm-hmm. because and and seem to be she seems to be successful at it because she laughs in his face, yeah. presumably for for whatever amount of seconds, and then finally she just goes for it, and it does seem to be so much more intense. And considering his track sounded so goofy, by contrast, hers it, it really makes more 
more indictments here. The kind of indictments you actually would expect from rappers. Yolandi Vizer got the hypest flow. And then Vizer, if this is actually pulled directly from their transcription of the lyrics, is of course spelled with dollar signs. Yes, well, they're, they're that's they're all... how she actually does spell it. That's how she does yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So other... of course, even her name itself yeah. is mm -hmm. indicative of well, the. Well, the uh... first album SOS had dollar yeah. zero yeah. dollar. Like tension I... does too, I think. Yeah, yeah, it does as well. Here, it's her spit speed that actually really she gets, gets so me. fast at points. Yeah. It's the music. Music's a yeah, drone. I don't love this song musically, but I love yes. her in it. You needed that drone yeah. because otherwise you're just not going to be able to follow along. If it was more complicated with what's going on behind her, you cannot keep up with the pacing of yeah. her syllables. Because she says, she says things like, I rhyme tight, 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 tight. Like the way it's so clipped and so abrupt, that word becomes from tight to... To, to to half I can half yeah. the speed I can say it like I cannot get it out fast enough. Well, it's also how it erupts from that's that's the beginning of the verse, following the chorus where everything is the siren is blaring loud mm -hmm. in your face, and then the second the siren cuts off, drops down like off cliff, then all of a sudden she's right in there with tight 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 tight, very very harsh harsh attack. I yeah, it, it's it's cool to witness what she's doing, but mm -hmm. I am completely one hundred percent in agreement on the musical end. I, that's why I was a little more with um with two tracks ago. I thought that. Even though she's probably winning the battle, um, and since it seems to be so much more urgent and filled with maybe even a little bit more angst, more attitude, more more rage, that's what the siren would have you believe, um, I, I do think I enjoyed uh, Two Tracks Ago, just from a holistic musical standpoint, whatever that's worth. But I think her spit speed is just, it had me in awe comparatively. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. And, and I think it's the design of the, you know, the, this character, the way she delivers... It's it's it in that high register when she's singing. I feel like this kind of insane speed goes pairs well with it. It adds to that cartoon character feel that we're getting from a lot of the way she delivers lyrics. But it's not really cartoony. It's 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 not cartoony the way Saturday Morning cartoons was like that. I mean, there's so much there's there's so much attitude involved with it. There's so much like personality involved with it. This is more along the lines it's surreal. That yeah, kind of or or well, like it's an more adult fully cartoon. dimensional, not not as two dimensional as a yeah, cartoon character. Like South Park, like early Simpsons. Sure. Not I Simpsons. mean, I, I she mentions <laughs> Eric Cartman. I mean, I, I my use, mind's already there. I use the word cartoon to to re reflect her feeling animated. It doesn't necessarily have to be a kids cartoon. I'm just saying that her delivery style, both spit speed and and vocals, just singing is very animated. It's. I think one thing that attracted me from the first song I ever heard of theirs um, was definitely her voice and um, the fact that um, she is using this, I mean, just insane baby voice. Like, it's one way of describing it. Um, but she's such a powerful performer and such a powerful character, person, persona, um, that it's really turning that on its head a lot because a lot of times that that assumed little little girly voice is very um it's a very powerless it's an intentionally powerless thing and the fact is she's just rolling in with ninja and you know from the start it's both of them saying we do what we want to do we don't need you fuck you and and he's coming from you know the his own his own voice but her she's these words coming out of this this voice is um I think that's part of what makes it so uh, twisted, but in a in a really wonderful way. In an endearing way. In an endearing yes. way, exactly. From here, we can move on to track eight, which is "Girl, I Want to Eat You," which I love this song. has I love the this number song. two and the letter U. You know. 
for for shits and giggles. And um, <laughs> for what that's worth, <laughs> for what that wor- that's worth. But what I really like about this song from the moment it starts is this kind of primal beat that it has and. Um, I, I said reggae at first, but um, Steve corrected me that it's actually reggaeton. Yeah, because yeah. reggaeton obviously was born out of reggae. It's right. kind of in the name there, but reggaeton is it's a lot more in your face. And here's the one thing I know about reggaeton. It, it, it's got the same beat. It's pretty yeah. much every yes. single genre, and this is a generalization that I don't mind making. Yeah. Um, dun, 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 that's it. That's yeah. everything. That's every single thing. It's so cool. just in the face of it, that little element of this track kind of bugged me. Just, okay. just, just that little element. The rest is still interesting because, of course, it's it's bound to be funny. The track's called "Girl, I Want to Eat You," and it is it's it's not it's not joking around. Um, should I read these lyrics? <laughs> uh, there's some that are right, jo- yeah. John they, should take a fall. Two on the nose. I mean, verse two. Yolandi's going. I'm a happy little chef cooking up a storm. Happy little naked chef, I'm cooking with nothing on. I mean, that's not too on the nose for some of the other parts. Not yet. Oh, word to your mom, cooking is the bomb. Nothing like a nice warm cookie in your palm. Feeling how I feel about you, so ultra baba, I just want to be around you. You know how I feel inside too. I really, 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 really like you. I mean, and then he comes in, and then Ninja uh, comes in. And then Ninja. It's All right, so I, hear I laughed out loud at that moment. So beautiful. It was, it's a, I love the back and forth, because they're also, it's shifting as well. Like, yes, we have the endearing baby voice, but it's it's a, it's definitely more the seductive side. Mm-hmm. Ninja is full-fledged, like, crowing. And I, I love what he's doing here, because he really is coming ca- across as a very endearing braggart. Like, it's yes. the other side of that relationship. And this braggart, I mean, there's even a little bit of voice modulating here and there that just that just makes me feel like, oh, he's he's a he's a teenager that does not know how to be <laughs> a grown up quite yet. And I love it. I love watching him just pounding his chest in this song. It also, it, you said it, you know you love this relationship, and it really does feel. I mean, capital R relationship. It does feel like there's a relationship in this song, and it's yeah, it's yeah. really lovely. I mean, the, the they are playing with each other, and it's really fun to get to be a part of. Yeah, it's it's like being in the room with a couple that's just so adorable, it's obnoxious. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this is oh, even taking it on a more sexual level. Oh yeah, and then but shit gets dirty. Like right. and you know, so. smells like fish, tastes like chicken. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, that's but, a little on the nose. Yeah, but what I like is also you know because everyone's been in the room with that couple that you. You go, yep, they're the ones. I'm gonna go puke. Yeah, yeah. I, I've yeah. had enough to go puke. And so, I, I but to get it in this delivery where it's over sexualized and crazy and over the top, it's just I, I love it because it's entertaining and it's engaging, and you feel like you're a part of it, yeah. which is voyeuristic in a way. It's also, uh, I mean, the subject matter is uh, something that is um, often an issue in a certain to certain people. I don't know, it, you know, it's, um, it's something that uh, it's it's kind of nice to have a song where, um, you know, lyrically, um, both people of all the genders uh, or both of these genders are really into this in a yeah. way that, you know, and just going for it. No um, one, one is subjecting the other. Exactly. It or, and yeah. It's not a I'm not going to do that. It's not a, you know, I mean, sorry, there is a there's a huge thing in, um, you yeah. know, with with female rappers about like, I don't. <laughs> 
if you don't eat pussy, I don't want to deal with you. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, well, I'm not eating pussy with a lot of male rappers. And I kind of love that this is just, hey, let's do this. Woohoo! They're both, yeah, they're just, they're really playful. Mm-hmm. It's a playful, playful mm-hmm. couple. Mm-hmm. couple of, yeah, they're probably making one to borrow from real life. But between them, hey, that's got to be a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, and they deliver that in the song. And yeah. then there's and then well, there's I, the I, finale. The coda. Oh, it's just it's uh, so... the coda made it a little bit worthy because I will say just on the peripheral here, I will be one little maybe more of a naysayer than mm. you guys just for this track only on the grounds that musically I just wasn't digging it. Yeah, yes. it's entertaining. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Whole, we're all completely. But musically, it was a little down the line. And at the end, it completely changes that up because this is what uh, uh, nasty you had termed a coda, which mm. is the only thing to call it. Mm-hmm. It's not really an ending. It's not a finale. There's a clean break. And then we get almost a new little track, a new little ditty just at the tail end it's of this like track. A children's song. Cooking is so fun. Cooking is so fun. Now it's time to take a break and see what we have done. Ah, it's ready. Wait a minute. What we're doing isn't cooking at all. Giggle, 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 giggle. giggle. And, and it's it's she's treating the audience like intelligent idiots. Mm-hmm. It's the exclamation point on the playfulness. Yeah. Because yeah. the she's, ending is so playful. She's just hoping you got it. It's and is explaining thing. in case you don't. I think that this wouldn't have worked had it been any other voice. That's what I would argue. Yes, absolutely. The fact that she has that voice makes it sound like she has just changed her own persona to kind of goof around with your perceptions of what you'd think she would be like considering what she sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's she's not doing it out of malice, and that's I want to get that point across. This mm-hmm. little bit is delightful. It's yeah. just making sure you understand what they're talking about, and not really realizing that it's very explicit what she's talking about. And the metaphors that were designed in this track, cooking, cleaning, and, and chicken, and fish, and all the things that were used <laughs> in this track, she, she wants to make it very clear that it wasn't actually what you think it is. And I love that she's, she, it's that so endearing quality. No, 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 it wasn't actually chicken and fish. Like, okay. Yeah. It's very oh, much you. that wink and a nod. Yeah, yeah. thank just... you very much. Yeah. But simply my point is that it was like Beyonce's voice at the end here. Yeah. And just in her it normal was, standard so Beyonce voice, it wouldn't work. No, it wouldn't of course work. not. I'd yeah. be like, really? You gotta hammer home? Well, and I think also if that wasn't the voice that she sang the whole yeah. song yeah. in, then it would have been like, oh, what's this weird thing that you ugh, that yeah. tacked on? Yeah, it, it really fits the whole structure mm-hmm. of the entire song. Um Track nine. Yeah. Pitbull Bull Terrier. Terrier. No, that was in That's time. I like that. That was good. This is a two-part hardening. Two-part hardening? <laughs> I do. Uh, we're leaving that one in. We're not ending that one out. We're supposed to have cuts. Yeah, no cut on that one. No. Um, I... I have to say that uh, we're nine tracks in, and this is the first time I'm really not yeah, feeling a song yeah, by them. Which, I mean, to get to track nine before I get to that point mm-hmm. isn't terrible, but it just... This is the first song that feels undeniably familiar to me. Yeah. sound And this is... It's it's because it's really old-school type techno. Uh, you said Zombie Nation. I, I said did, that like, rude. K- like, we were both in the... Zombie Nation is definitely closer of the two. It was very much something I've heard since the 90s. Yeah. Well, musically and lyrically. Yeah. There's just the whole thing. And I still enjoy them. I still enjoy their voices. I still, But, yeah, it's the first time that you're like, all right, I, I feel like I've, I've heard this. I've heard it. it was After even... much effort, I think we ended up placing it sort of, uh, although maybe we're not all in agreement, under the industrial banner. Anyway. Sort yeah, of. Industrial I mean, sound yeah. 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 we go with that? All right. Specifically the it industrial just, This song had the aggressiveness that, say, the Fobro, as I called it, enraging Zeph Boner, but the difference is it didn't feel like a lark here. It felt sincere, mm-hmm. and even if it wasn't, which I don't really think it was, it just kind of felt that way, and so I just... 
I don't know. It felt aggressive without... Uh, With no payoff to yeah, that somehow. Yeah, it was just consistently aggressive mm-hmm. and unrelatable almost. I think this is one that um, maybe, you know, this is one like I, I would like more live maybe i don't know it could be i mean i could see it being just entertaining the, like being yeah, intense the in force person. of the music it's very it's a very driving beat it is that sort of industrial idea you know but yeah just i don't know i don't need to listen to it in my living room so. <laughs> yeah that's a fair point i mean musically it's not it, john kind of hit the nail on the head if you don't know what those songs sounds like i could do an old man matt bit and describe what that 90s music do it do it so back in my day oh, we boy. had this well, we only industrial had, techno. No, me, I'll take this one. Okay. Did we have industrial techno <laughs> was uh, five or six lines that were approximately all the same noise. I mean, you had the you had the percussion, you had your cymbal like kind John. of a thing. You had a sweep. There was always a sweep involved with something like this. And you just take those lines and you bend them up and down, and there was nothing else really going on. But you do it enough, and then you break out a little bit of a of a at one point, and you're good. You got yourself a sandstorm right there. Um, and it did the same thing over and over again. There was a lot of techno that did very similar lines. Uh, what what was the preset on Fruity Loops became the backbone of a lot of artists during the 90s and when they were making music. And this is using that same backbone over and over again. There's There's no... There's no changing. There's no evolution. There's even a breakdown where it goes all quiet and then builds up, builds up right towards so the, the end. That it's the same, same thing that yeah. I that you hear in all these songs. I like you have to seamlessly dropped out of Old Man John at some point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I also was it. trying to figure out why he sounded like he was from Minnesota. That's well, what I couldn't figure that's out. That's where old people are from. That's my teaching voice. I thought it was Florida, but I'm Jewish, so that's I'm where old people are also from. That's yeah, true. <laughs> well, there's a that's where they go. There's a difference. That's true. Um. I don't know, Steve. Do you it have anything just, to add to this It was kind of a track? non-track, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When it comes down to the to the lyrics, it it seems to almost be relaying some of the same points over. Like it doesn't really seem to be adding anything new, particularly. Or if it is, I'm just I'm just kind of missing it. Yeah. Um, chiefly, it's because the the strengths of this album, through and through, from track to track to track, has always been its surreal elements. Mm. Um, that's what I'm looking for here, and that has been. Up to this point, what has managed to keep me just kind of immersed in this album, where the to the point where I couldn't even do anything in the meantime. I couldn't I couldn't multitask. I was just focused. This track, I, I drifted. Yeah, you I, fall I drifted. out of it. You yeah. really do. Okay, so that's a less than raving review on that track. Track ten, <laughs> drunk. And then we go right back up into something. So, really interesting. So we should yeah. first discuss what strunk means, which is apparently. John, do you want to, do you, you seem like you you're rare. I have to do the Young, intro. Young, old, which, no. I have to do the, I have to do the intro. Ah, uh, love. Lovely, love, 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 love. I forget how many loves are there. Makes you feel so trippy, like you're stoned and drunk at the same time. Strunk, 24-7, Baba. Yeah, and Strunk is stoned, stoned and, and drunk. drunk. And this Which is I not didn't the, know there was a term for that. I think they I might knew have there made was it a term up. for oh, that. There, no, no, it's, I, it's a great word for it, though. I've, I've used that term uh, 10 years back, but... That's different. Here it's it's they're they're so, attacking a we're getting drunk, we're getting high, we're putting the two together, we're gonna get effed up. We're gonna get all sorts of screwed up. And I love that in this case we're getting another change with the vocals. When yeah. Ninja steps in in verse one, it's a little bit different. Well we've got a ballad here, which yeah, we haven't really heard on the album. And it's but it's a ballad with their kind of twist. Mm-hmm. But it starts out very endearing. The vocals feel very soft and sweet from almost like a, a like a nineties R and B kind of ooh girl song. Like earlier. I would push it earlier because yeah. there's something in, in the little little uh 
a little arpeggio in the background. Dun, 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 dun. It's got a kind of a doo-wop sway to it, mm. um, which really my instinct at first I think was to really love this song just because of how how real it sounds, of how 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 it kind of departed from the rest of the album just in terms of settling us into the ballad for the first time, where you get to kind of see a little bit of emotion here and there, ironically under the label of Strunk. But it it's interesting because just in the same way like I was more intrigued by the surreal stuff, uh, this was a little cliched in some sense. I enjoyed it, and I think it's something that the album desperately needed. I just wish it, I don't know, went in a slightly different direction, something that only they could have come up with, maybe. And I, I feel, still felt like this is something other people could have done. But, but, that said, I did like one thing about it, and of course it is the simple, love fucks you up. It's a kind of like answer to the whole, what was that track back in the 80s, what, Love Stinks? Yes, Love Stinks, yeah. so Jay Giles, Does that man. go back to the well, 80s? I don't know. Sure. Yes. Love Stinks is, is from a place of, of anger that at, at love itself. This is oh, just... This is from this is a strong. This, this is from a, uh, a sociopathic manic depression kind of an area of mm-hmm. love. This is this is a lot more into the psyche because by the time we get to the chorus, everything's getting effed up. Everything's getting screwed up. Everything's getting a little bit off key, and we're getting some Literally. weird things yeah. like yeah. the sh- the screaming strings. And there's no other way to describe it, but it's strings that are, as we say, they they like to replicate voices, and these voices are wailing. They mm-hmm. sound borderline voices of the damned and I love having this just oddball piercing noise in the background. That to me is the thing that they do bring into this um, that you're right could could other people could have done this song um, but I think the combination of their voices in this and um, and also just this this noise this noise in the background it's just a lovely song and there's just a noise in the back because this isn't quite right. Um, and that works really well for me. There's also a, a really sweet moment where, and Steve really liked it too. I forget the time span. We all span. liked it. Well, let, let, let me put this in context first. Sure. Only because, uh, since you mentioned it, I really did like the melodies here overall. Mm. The melodies were something, really the only thing I'm saying is, is slightly cliche, is just that, that, that bass groove. It's mm. kind of higher pitch, but it still is a bass groove. Um, the doo-wop uh, maneuver. But most of this, the, the melodies, if you just pinpoint uh, the way she's, of course, she's in her usual register, which is insanely high, but it's the fact that it only barely sounds melodic. Yeah. It like just strays within a little like half intervals, goes up and down. It it doesn't it doesn't stray enough for you to feel like it has like the vastness of the scale. Thus it makes it sound more surreal, at least in that department. And then that leads us into this one moment around one minute, forty-four seconds, where mm-hmm. she Comple- she she pulls almost it's almost an old fashioned move, but it's where he, she really does explore the rest of the scale. And the, your heart just goes out to her at this one moment. She says, "Just leave me so desperately lonely, and desperately lonely. lonely." It's yeah. just she she takes her time with that, and it's ah. And then the moment that so the music takes a breath, and you get a single snap of fingers in that moment too, which yeah. I think it just. It, it, it gave it that old-fashioned feel, too, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it's just, the song has such character, but not just because of the characters in it. Yeah. I think it's just itself. It just it makes your heart bleed a little bit. Even though it's a little goofy still, it's goofy in that kind of endearing way. Mm-hmm. To correct something, it's not as if she's really even straying that much more within the scale. The difference is that she's more bendy with it. Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. she weaves into it. Instead of just straying up and down, at least in like even intervals, she bends downward. She sways with it. Really just milks it. There's a little more strength in this vocal work than in, in a lot of her other stuff because that's something 
that I think plays up uh, the the kind of as we said baby quality of her vocals. It they sound like they're weak or that she's just completely out of breath, like she doesn't have lung capacity to do something like this. But at the same time, this sounds like she's giving it her all. Yeah. The the back and forth, the fact that. It sounds strong, weak. I don't know how other ways. It's, yeah. it's breathier even for her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just I. This but she's the, still in control of it. Yes. This is the point I fell in love with her. <laughs> well, it's now, good that you're sharing. It's important. Now the next track is the point that I I, I filed the restraining order. Oh no! So because oh. good. Because so, in do so not fuck good. with the kid. She's standing there. I, I love the words that started, oh, shame, and the way she pronounces it, because it's like your your life has a foregone conclusion that there's going to be a knife sticking out of your jugular in a few minutes because of what you've done, and now you're, you're, you're paying the piper, you're reaping what you've sown, and I am terrified of her at this moment. It's just, it, it, it's, it's an, uh, a mix of the non-music kind of just tone atmosphere with her just talking in this soft voice. It reminds me of some versions in the cartoons of Harley Quinn where she gets really less excitable and more straightforward. It's just very simply telling you why you're screwed. It's that moment you knew your mom was serious because she stopped yelling and just started talking to you. And use your full name. And That's that full name. the but middle name. it really name. is. It's not that hysterical. Oh my God, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Well, the words speak Here's for Here's what you did wrong. <laughs> oh, shame. Is it difficult? If you got something to say, say it to my face. Don't be a little bitch and put up a front. Did you really think you could fuck with the evilest rap girl on the whole planet and get away with it? Oh, shame. No, it doesn't work like that. What a delusional little asshole. You're so fucking stupid. I see right through you. I can see you're scared. And a scared man is not a pretty sight. Oh, shame. Run, little scaredy cat. Run. It just okay. Unhinged. It sounds unhinged. That's not the extent of it. It's the clipped vocals she's doing right here. It's the clipped nature. There's no flow. There's no softness. No. Every every K, every T, every every harsh consonant she uses is really harsh and emotional. Because it's so deliberate. Like when someone speaks with that language in such a deliberate manner, it's that scary. It's a it's a little psychopathic. Yeah, just a bit. Well, it's it's interesting, and I don't oh, I don't want to I don't want to play the gender card, but um, I don't <laughs> think there's anything psychopathic about this. Um, it, I, but literally, I mean, it is it is. Harsh you mean, words. had it been a male, you think it would have been? I if it, part of the course. The idea that um, the idea that this is a you know I mean I, at least I think I think we probably as all assume that this is a you know a female voice speaking to I I would think a male voice, but uh, you know a male listener. Um, just from the the language, but um, just the idea that you know to to say this, um, it doesn't make her psychopathic or or psychotic. It's the context or, that I but would I, th- argue. I mean, but I think the context is, I mean, literally like walking here on the street. If I could have, without fear of getting knifed, said this to in response to something that was said to me by a total stranger, um, I, I would have I would have said it. Well, you know, just, just, I, I, just I since think you know, I, I I see what you're saying, and just since you since you bring up the the gender card, actually, I, mean, I, and, I think it's true. You know, no, I think it's true, <laughs> but it it depends on what level you're talking about. Sure. Because I will say that 
to me, this may be more about the slow-paced, deliberate, proper it's, nature it's of it true. than it might be. Because I, 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 I do feel initially that had this been just like a guy saying this, then maybe it would have rolled off our backs a little bit because it would come out of the whole gangster rap culture, mm-hmm. which is predominantly male. But, but normally there's more of a swarthy nature to that and then i think that has settled us back into it it is normally not so precise and deliberate i think that's where you breach into the psychopath dynamic which may very well be compared to either side whether male or female if they're if they're that focused on it then it's time to run like she suggests it's also the fact that it's coming out of complete left field for the album itself there's so much love going back and forth and whether it's good love bad love i don't know well i know some parts are good some parts are bad and some parts are just so muddy you really don't want to get into it but it's so much enjoyment between the the two voices back and forth and even when they're arguing it's not really arguing and then this harsh turn of really getting serious and angry and Disappointed, which I does would that say leads leads into the next song. But this also is perhaps a bit of a not response to, but a, a, a equal moment to the very first track, the um, "Don't fuck me." I mean, we literally have Ninja leaving this "Don't fuck me" message, and then uh, later on, I mean, uh, most of the way through the album, later Yolandi saying, "Do, do not fuck with the kid." And so, yeah, it's, I, her, it's her chance too. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think what lends it to feel less psychopathic and more just protective is that the fact that that Ninja had done that earlier and now it's like I don't think this is something she's saying to Ninja at all. I no, think this I don't is think something so she's saying to someone who fucked with them. I'll take and, this down one notch though. Only one notch, just from the fact that initially, yes, I felt like this was capable of completely putting me in my place and it, I was genuinely intimidated by this, mm-hmm. but there are moments in there where it still kind of bounces back to the comedy. Like for instance, I know you you uh, you noted this at the same time I noted it, is that it's something that uh, she'd been doing since the beginning, the fact that she like rises up into like three registers mm-hmm. above her normal mm-hmm. voice, which is already naturally pretty high, and she just squeaks, and she does this in one in one moment of this track where she says, uh, you delusional asshole. Yes. <laughs> she goes way up there, and you gotta giggle at that moment, which does take you a little bit out of it and kind of put you back into, uh, this is this is comedy. This is this is a comic scene. And then it flows directly into the next yes, track, Rat Trap 666, with a... A take on the Nightmare on Elm mm-hmm. Street rhyme. It, it does also feature... Oh, she's scary. She's still scary. No, and though, that here. is That's very much supposed to be... Because it's run, 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 and then one, one two, two yep. ratty's coming for you. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, whoa. And yeah, okay. this Definitely. track is also featuring a well-known DJ and producer for Cypress Hill, DJ Muggs, who I'm guessing produced the track, since I don't think he sings. And I think that... Well, yes. If the previous track wasn't being conveyed in a way that felt deranged, this one definitely. This one definitely did. is. Oh, yeah. I, th- I have trouble with this one. I'm yeah. not. I'm t- musically. I think it's 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 reminding me quality wise of track nine, just because I'm not. It feels repetitive, and I'm not getting super into it. I think that the vocals are still here that I like, but this feels even closer to cliche gangster yeah, rap than track very nine. Very much did. so, and it feels it feels a little. Dumb for them, almost. Yeah. I think I think they're so clever and so articulate and and, and uniquely articulate. And in this is the track that feels like okay, we made this song. This yeah. is the song you have to have on the album. We made well, this song. There's a couple of parts of it that I do enjoy. Mostly, yes. it's actually in Ninja because his 
his spit speed when he goes into that first verse is really non-conformist to yes. the beat and i like mm-hmm. that I it's like kind of back and forth back and forth he keeps the phrasing within the phrasing of the actual beat of the actual rhythm but it, he doesn't bother lining up his syllables and i like that that yes, that do does too. keep me engaging because i really am i hang on these words especially when he starts speeding it up a little bit towards the end of that first verse i'm really hanging on his words but there's nothing else that's supporting it besides mm. a very steady rhythm and some some screech in the background. And Matt, you mentioned when we were listening to it before that it it feels. I mean, it's almost six minutes long. It it feels that long. I don't I don't know if you know maybe it just we didn't need half the song then. Well, I mean, I'm yeah, sure. I feel like maybe if it was more condensed, I might have enjoyed it more. But the beat felt unchanging and omnipresent almost. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing I liked about them is even if their beats or bass work got repetitive. There were melodies that kept it interesting or vocals that kept it interesting. And here, I'm just not getting any of that. While I agree with both of you that this, the delivery that Ninja is doing is interesting, it wasn't interesting enough with what everything else was doing in the song. Also, I don't really remember Yolandi doing anything super interesting in this either. And She was there. And and <laughs> and if, if Yolandi is just there in one of your tracks, I feel like that's not okay compared to what they've been doing so far. She's never just been there in the background. I mean, you said she's not a background singer or a backup yeah. singer. She's part of this band and in the forefront with him. She's doing, and it she felt does a very, verse and a half. He does a verse and a half, but neither of them stand out. Yeah. No, them are, it just blends yeah. kind of. It really, outside of Zeph Boner, that's I think the only one where he had about as much animated uh, yeah. quality going for him as she did. But the rest of the time, it really, she's more the... I, it's an indefinable quality. Sometimes it's just with your, what you're born with. If in her case, it's just an incredibly unique voice, and it, it carries them along. Uh, That's you not take saying... that away, you're more on the line. I, I'm still loving Ninja's work oh, throughout the album. Absolutely. I mean, the compliment is there. No, the two I think of them the two work, of them together is and, and his contrast of having such a deeper register it's, is it's great for it. It's more but about the content. Well, I mean, it's about the music. It's so pretty. It's about the music and the content here. The music, we already said, is pretty lacking. It's just, it seems to be one of the pack once again. And then the content-wise, it's a lot of, I don't know, just a lot of trash talking going mm-hmm. in here. It's actually a very detailed story, and I won't read this out completely, but all any listener has to do is just simply uh, Google search, Lyrics, Rat Trap 666, and they can try to read into this. But a lot of it, as detailed as it is, I don't think the music is really shaping it in a way no. that I feel invited in on that level. You have to really, really get into this. And at the end, I'm not sure I really I really care about it that much. Tri- trash talking can be a part of rap culture. It was never really my... Uh, unless it's something extremely clever about it, that's, that's just a turnoff for me. I, I feel like here it just n- nasty hit the nail on the head. It's this, they're so good at being clever, and there's just not really any of that cleverness here. And I feel like it's a disappointment also because once I looked up who DJ Muggs was, because I didn't recognize by name who he was, when I found out he was the producer and DJ for Cypress Hill, who I love, yeah. I'm just bummed that this felt so mainstream yeah, and average. Because I, I expect he, I mean, the, the person who came up with help come up with insane in the membrane is. I expect more of, and it just didn't feel like it was here. I didn't feel anything that felt specifically Cypress Hill here either, which was a bummer. You'd think at least if it didn't feel like them, it would feel like the band he's a producer for, and it didn't really feel like either. Well, that was less than raving also. (laughs) Track 13, I Don't Dwank. No apostrophe there. Um, I'm not going to... I educatedly guessed that I don't twank means I don't drink, but... I don't know. uh, Considering they start the song talking and 
and, and arguing and, with one another. I mean, and smoking. Yolandi's right? going off on one story. Uh, High Tech, the mixologist for the band, uh, is going off on another thing, and Ninja's like trying to talk to him at one point. But then High Tech's just like, you know, no, no, I'm not, I'm not doing a big fuck you guys. I'm leaving. And that's when the song really does get started because Ninja starts free rapping, and I really enjoyed yeah. it. it f- this this felt the most animated of his vocals and over anything else because well, you he don't was expect just, it. I wasn't yeah. expecting it at all. I thought it was going to be another like dialogue. Yeah, track. exactly. Well, first a piece of comedy here, just from the standpoint of the fact that it is all dialogue. I uh, when you hear a high tech's voice. It's it's put through such a strange filter. Yeah. He sounds so so I, I guess like on the on the baritone level of the rapper Wands, for instance, uh, but even deeper than that. And it's of course distorted once again to sound sounds very, almost electronic or robotic. To sound very cartoonish, and and it seemed like they weren't really getting along here. But then in the background, when when the the track really gets going, and and uh, Ninja gets to have his whole of. Uh, you know his whole rant, which which was very impressive. I agree. He's in the background. High tech is in the background, just kind of laughing, like he's almost turning around, going from a position where he was originally angry to kind of being like, oh, yeah, "That's funny." <laughs> and then he's completely brought back again. And then I, the beat comes that's, in. That's later. what I gather. Well, it's also it's, it's like we're feeling playful again, like um, some songs we were talking about earlier, but also. The, the a cappella rap that starts the track feels like a freestyle. It may not be. It yeah. might have been written, but it, it reminds me of when I've gone to see rappers live like MC Lars or Mega Ran, and I've seen them do a freestyle on stage with objects in the crowd. It had that kind of cadence to me. Yeah. And I think that was also really entertaining about it. And then verse two comes around, and Yolandi kind of demands a beat. Mm-hmm. She gets the beat. I'm just not really into this beat. Yeah. I, I love yeah. what she yeah. goes mm-hmm. with, but it, it kind of comes off again as a, a really repetitive, but it's an okay deep punctuation kind of a setup. I, I, I know what that's there for. It's, it feels more along the lines of another rap battle, uh, this time with some backup, with, mm. with something to punctuate everything. But it's not really doing it for me because it's still a little bit too bare bones in this instance. Yeah. Um, even though I like some of the stuff that stays simple in this album, here it's just it's just not enough when you're going to go from a really awesome freestyle to something that is musically inclined with an actual rhythm. Yeah. I think I might have enjoyed it just because it was better than twelve. I just I guess I was so kind of turned off by track twelve, that mm-hmm. track thirteen. I was entertained enough and it felt like a fusion of an interlude yeah. and a song. Well and again because it's it, it is somewhat unexpected um before the the beat comes in later that it it is a little bit delightful and then at that point you're right i was like all right but this beat isn't not really doing it for me so the music has to support it i guess that's the key you can be you can be as an invested as invested as in something as you want from just a lyrical perspective there's there's a lot to look at here, I mean, just because we have all the lyrics at our disposal, it's more content. Just buy the word content than mm-hmm. we get on, it's usually like three to four times the amount than we get on most albums because of how much rap artists can actually cram in. Um, that's inviting on one level, but music is a, is a very nebulous art form. You have to like kind of invite people on that level and bring them in through the aesthetic first and foremost, and then that kind of makes them more interested in really, really picking apart those lyrics on a line-by-line level. Uh, and yeah, these last couple tracks hasn't been quite successful, yeah. which is really strange and disappointing because I think they were immensely successful at it uh, from beginning to middle. Mm-hmm. So, track 14, Sex. So, a little bit on the nose here. 
Well, well. <laughs> so here's the thing about. What's this song about? Uh, Let me about spell it out for you. It's an S E. Um, oh, I so here's my this. biggest issue with this song. I think uh, it took me a while to come to it, but as you we were discussing the album, I really figured it out. Is so it feels it feels so on the nose. It almost feels like parody. But I think also my biggest problem is that we got. Um, which one was the oh uh, girl I want to eat you, uh, was that the the really yeah. playful sex song? Yeah. yeah. So that song was the sex song this album needed um, and that we deserved. I feel like this track was following that track's existence a little more on the nose, and so even though it's face value and I don't mind the simplicity of the track's music, I feel like lyrically, because of the way it's spit and what they're saying, it's not clever enough to feel like comedy it just almost feels like parody i felt similarly to like a lot of the deep beat flight of the concords tracks where they rap it reminded me of that a bit actually i would say that this is not supposed to be comedy not supposed no i don't think so either supposed to be serious and it comes off as serious i'm refuting that okay i disagree i think this song really is a more personal presence presentation from the playfulness we got earlier but here no, this is this is really them actually talking about it, really giving truth out there. I am with John 100%. I think um, this is it's, it's interesting because I was you know more on the negative side of some of the earlier tracks here, but this is a case where I feel it is successful and it is 100% because of the music. Um, it's called sex. You have verses, you have choruses. Okay, typical framework. But there's a pretty harsh break between those verses and between yeah, those choruses. Definitely. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, what I interpret here is that it's showing the two sides of sex the creative or the or the, the sensual side the, the beauty essentially in the in the the hooks or, or the choruses um which are actually quite gorgeous and there the only lines are sea sex and sun and that's it everything very ethereal the kind of thing that you like almost aspire to in the magic of sex and all that and then the verse is just it it's just the beat in the background and it's pumping away it's relentless and it just feels like front to back it's 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 the filth of it it's the details and it's almost the mechanics of sex which frankly well, i not. think are very very needed they 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 flow together really well and by that i mean they don't flow together really well because i think they're saying they're mutually exclusive in other words they can exist separate apart probably better if they're together because without one you don't have the other and that can be that can be pro- problematic in the long run i suppose i i mean i will agree i feel like that I was more saying just the way the the music felt initially. It gave me, it reminded me of certain songs. I don't want to say that I didn't enjoy it because I did. I thought that the the structure of it and for sure the beautiful courses. I mean, how can you not love Yolandi's voice kind of humming over this this beautiful music? It just mm-hmm. it, it's really engaging. See, sex and son. I want to be my mantra. I want to have the yes. incentive to yes. make that my mantra because of how it's portrayed here in Three Little Words. Well, technically four if you use the word and. But it's it's other little tidbits that show up. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a guttural grunting and moaning going on in mm-hmm. the verses as well. Like real background stuff that's kind of hard to pick out that I just really like. That Yeah, it's that tiny little bit of texture that's putting context around some of the things that are being said. I, I, I like that it's, it's not just about the sex as well. There's... Yeah, no, There's it, love involved yeah. with this, and yeah. that's something that kind of is out of left field for everything that was going on. Like, lust, we got across. Anger, we got across. 
But this is the first time that love is really seems to be making uh, a major part of this and, song. And non-untainted um, love. Yeah, really. very pure. Because and I, I love Strunk. I think that's a beautiful song. I love the sentiment of it. It's that wonderful, we're just, we're just so crazy in love and it sucks and love is going to fuck you up. And this one is very... It's more sincere. Well, it's very, yeah. it's sincere by virtue of the fact that it's a lot more complex. Yes. And I think, well, well, life is complex, so life can't all be about C-sex and so on. As much as we'd like it to be, mm-hmm. I feel like that's just this this nice little uh, thing we aspire to. It's but the it, you have to go through all this other stuff, and they lay a lot in it. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was a nice track to have yeah. toward the end of the album. It was sort so, of, at the end of the day, it was earnest, and that was something yeah. that... We got playful, we got joyful, but Ernest's idea was something that we just hadn't gotten yet, and it really made this my favorite track. Regardless of the content or anything like that, it just it felt like a real glimpse at not just the performance of all this theater that we're getting on here, but the actual people. Yeah. Like, it, they, they finally let me behind the curtain a little bit more than anything else, and I, I saw them instead of just the art. Well, and they really don't pull punches following this too they swing the curtains wide open because track 15 moon love features their daughter 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 Daughter, 16 uh name name 16 yeah 16 having dialogue with her father and it's just heart-wrenchingly sweet like and it's really interesting because this is a i mean it's a very sweet child voice and the first time i heard it i sort of had this weird feeling is that is that yolandi is that uh, you know, because we have this person with such that this exploded, um, you know, high voice, and it, it's kind of, kind of fucks with you a little bit too to have that, well, it's, that in it's, there, and it's not her. Mommy, my heart is broken, and then Yolandi goes, hmm, and I was like, I already heard the pitch change. I was like, no, wait a minute, yeah. that's not her. Yeah, yeah. Nope. that can't be her. But it's and also- it's it's yeah, it's a sweet little father daughter moment that is just like this is the kind of kid you want to have who says things like. My heart is broken because daddy might fix it. Like, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, that's what it is, is Tears. it's so <laughs> sincere that this is the kind of conversations you have with a child where you're like, oh, they, they, they're they asking you questions that require real answers that mm-hmm. you may not even have. And why is a child at this age asking me this question? You shouldn't know this. You should be playing with your toys. and. Why are you asking me real questions? It's it's it, it really is beautiful. There's also just a lovely build, and uh, there's there's some musically some layers to this that I really enjoy. It just, that we haven't it even just heard. Adds, yeah, well, exactly. It's stuff we haven't heard, but also a lot of stuff that we already have. It's kind of like intermixed with uh, just ideas. Like, oh, they had this one idea. Let's do this. They had this other idea. Let's do that. I kind of wanted a lot of these ideas to be in the songs that we were kind mm-hmm. of like going. Uh, I wanted them to do more. So. I feel like this would have been a great gold mine just to come up with just different melodies and rhythms and stuff like that for like another album. Like there's a lot going on here, but it's fleeting. And that's probably the problem at the end of the day. Yeah, it's beautiful and it's a great little aside with father and daughter kind of a moment, but all the music that's involved is very fleeting. Um, you are maybe more reflecting my feelings about the next track. I think that when it came to Moon Love, I did feel closer to the soul of what was going on here. Mm -hmm. I had this sense that as this album went on, it was sort of getting more surreal on one hand, and then on the other hand, it was getting uh, 
more more exposed. More Maybe like, more as it was getting more exposed, real, it yeah. was getting more surreal. As if the closer you get to all of the complexities of life, and you're actually bearing wearing your heart in a sleeve, then all of a sudden, well, it, things get weird at that juncture because that's where you can't quite handle it. Um, and maybe things get more unique. Uh, granted, of course, we had some of our less favorite tracks on this side of the album, but Moon Love really picked it up a bit mm -hmm. because I felt closer to all that love that hadn't really happened yet on such on uh, at you know on so obvious yeah, yeah so obviously. Um, I think most of this album, as far as I was concerned, really was concerned with putting up a front. Mm -hmm. It was just and acknowledging and acknowledging how people put up fronts and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. It, it just it was almost over obsessed with it, and I I enjoyed how they chose to approach it in many instances. But it did grow tiresome <laughs> by the time we get to to the end here. So now's the time where I felt like that correlation between uh, the exposed and the surreal was starting to really come to fruition. This is where I think the album found its soul here, and you you're whisked away to another land. And I th I, I accepted it. I wanted to stay here a little bit, but in track sixteen. Donker mags, maybe they went a little too far with it. I don't know where this song came from. Yeah, it yeah. starts with 25 seconds of silence, which I thought was bizarre. It almost felt like it's a hidden track. You know how, like back in the day, kids, when we had CDs, these. And you, Are you kidding? CDs? Sometimes <laughs> they did that on vinyl. Too. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, her but, Majesty. When when people you're, listen, when, when you're letting your old man, majesty. you're letting your old man Matt moments get hijacked. I, I am, <laughs> um, but no, seriously. So when when we listen to stuff in album format, which nobody does anymore except us, because we review stuff in album format, there would be a break and then a bonus track in the same final track. Here that bit of silence feels like it's trying to emulate that but then it goes into this kind of creepy and distorted song where where ninja is again speaking kind of softly he's not really rapping he's kind of just talking almost and it it has that kind of distorted feel that um a strunk had a bit but throughout the whole track it feels a little weird it starts I, up oh, i spend the whole song kind of waiting for it to build and, yeah and it's I think I'm okay with the fact that it doesn't actually, but but you really do sort of have the sense the whole time that you're just waiting for this intro part to end and for it to just pick up in like some giant and it it kind of doesn't, which is a real interesting idea to me. I felt like maybe yeah, it, it was on the verge of doing something. Uh, here's an example: uh, Interpol's album "Our Love to Admire" (2007) had an outro that was very kind of loose and you know had some ambient qualities to it, and then decided to just go full force and sort of anthem out the rest of their album. Incidentally, I didn't like most of that album until the very end, but it actually had a really good end. But that's the kind of end that I think maybe you were expecting, and I was sort yeah. of expecting here, in some sense. Only in the sense that, well, if they're taking this separate genre, non-rap rave, um, or rave rap, <laughs> keep getting the hyphen, but if they're, if they're stepping up outside of that and they're dipping into this as they had kind of started to do with Moon Love, mm -hmm. then I guess that's logical for them. But I was already kind of stern in the fact that Moon Love said it all. Yeah, I feel they should have snapped like it back, and they should have done yeah. something that was original to them, that was original to Diane Ward. But here in Donker Mags, the title track, 
it's just, it was completely separate. I, I didn't know how to relate it to them at all. All I could say is that from the lyrical standpoint, it is definitely a, 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 a plea, a call. It's, it's something no. It's something that they're not as confident in. It's a prayer. It is a and prayer. It begins is, with the Lord's Prayer, in fact. That makes sense. Our Father who art in heaven, please watch over me 24-7. Please give me something to believe in. I'm either driven or crippled by these demons. Sometimes it feels like the power I wield is a blessing and a curse, and I want to shine up on my brothers like the sun. But when my light is gone, changed to be ugly. Uh, I want to be happy. I don't want to hurt the ones I love. They are the ones who only are getting hurt the most. Please send your angels to save me from myself. Very sweet, but I just don't, I'm not well, feeling it, it in some sense. it comes after this moment with the child, too, which is actually yeah. that makes sense, then. And and uh, Dunker Mag means dark power, mm-hmm. so we're already dealing with something on power. This is, this is also the first time they're really going like full-fledged with organ work like that's something yeah, a little bit no, different the, the sound is it's so different. low key i mean i can visualize him on his knees saying this yes mm-hmm. so that is appropriate but i i want to say this is this is a response to the previous track this is actually him saying how he does not want to screw up his daughter yeah. so i'll i'm okay with that i'm on board with this it's actually him pleading I'm going to screw her up. I'm going to screw everything up. I'm going to hurt her. Please don't let me hurt her. I think as far as an arc of this album, it makes sense. I yes. mean, that yeah, makes no, sense. It, it actually really does. They were <laughs> so confident in the beginning, and it's just almost a deterioration. And it, as I was saying, they were getting more exposed, more surreal. This, they're completely, it's almost like they've dropped everything. They've dropped the front. They've dropped their, they've dropped their act. Um, that's in, really interesting from yeah. an arc perspective. Yeah. It's just musically. I, yeah, I, just, know, I, I, I wasn't it. engaged I'm... in this track instrumentally. I, I was more engaged in Moon Love. It felt more sincere. As sincere as the message is when you read it, just listening to the track, I didn't feel it as it's, much. Yeah. Emotionally, I did not connect. Yeah. Which is sad because it's so poetic. It, is, it, is it so really poetic. is so heartfelt. And it's my favorite lyrics on the album. I mean, they get cheeky, they get fun, and towards the end of it, they start getting serious and in and enjoyable on that level, but here it really is a, a, an understated elegance that's going on with the, with this prayer, with this plea that I I really am feeling for him. But I'm right there with you. I wanted more than an organ. I really did. Yeah, I wanted more than yeah. just long notes. But it's a setting piece. It's another art piece. It's, it's the theater really bleeding through heavily here. So I'm okay with that. I really am. Yeah, the only thing I could give this is that it took me back in time a little bit. It was sort of a nostalgia piece for me. Like I, I was saying earlier that this felt like uh, Diane Ward does does Arcade Fire. But essentially, that that's I'm, I'm so split with that because I'm kind of over Arcade Fire at this point. I feel like they were more of a product of like the mid-2000s. Yeah, they still put out good stuff. I'm just, it's, 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 it's nostalgia for me. Maybe not for some other people, but it's nostalgia for me. And I could at least credit it to that. But it also is taking me out of the insane surrealist modernity that I had been experiencing. So I mean, that that is a bit from column A from and column B. However you take it. Why don't you tell us how you feel about the album as a whole, Steve? Oh, you're just gonna yep. cue me right in there. I'm throwing yeah, you under the bus. Done. Yeah, we, we don't know. Me and me, me. Yeah, exactly. Segway. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to now do that when I walk into the backstage area. If I if we're transitioning to that, I'm just gonna just. <laughs> Um, also, I'm passing the buck because me and John looked at each other and said, I'm not going first. <laughs> I give this album major points for surrealism. Mm-hmm. Um, not even sure if necessarily surrealism is what they're going for. Because what's always interesting about surrealism is that it, it's only surrealist to people who are getting something new and something fresh. 
because it may just be their style. And if that's their style, I want more of it. Um, musically, as far as a rap rave band goes, which of which I don't hear too many these days, this is completely out of left field. This 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 dredges up some things from the past, but largely, uh, when you speak of their shtick, the natural disparity of their two voices, which is just, uh, if not a match made in heaven, it's exactly because it's the opposite. They're polar opposites, and that makes them such a, a engaging match. Um, and then down to the way in which most of the, the beat work is, is followed through in this album. It's not it's not cookie cutter but by any stretch, except in only a couple of tracks. Um, and then apart from that, it's it's inventive. Normally, it's not it's not loops as it goes through the track. The progressions of the track are very creative. Each and every verse has to bring you something new. They have to reinvent themselves apart from reinventing what, let's say, the previous track had just introduced. It's really interesting. Um, that said, there's a lot of a few a few to a lot uh, gimmicks on this album. <laughs> I know I'm kind of like I'm, I'm backtracking because some some tracks here I don't quite know how to take. Mm-hmm. Some tracks are I, I, I laugh on one hand, but then on the other hand I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of serious. Or I see the satire here, but mm, maybe they're actually maybe this is genuine. And then if it's genuine in this particular case, then I've heard it before. But if it's satire, then it's wildly new. And I find myself in all these like if. And but you know I, right. I all these conditions that I don't really know how to take. There are some tracks on this album. I'm gonna say 50% make really lasting impressions with me. Um, <laughs> the other 50 really don't. Uh, it caused me to have very visceral reactions up until about the halfway mark. At which point I saw it kind of waxing and waning back and forth. Ironically enough, that's at the time the album got more real. Before then, it was, as we had said earlier on, and then kind of stopped using the term theater. It was theater up to a point. And then it was just expose. That is at least worth... It it, it raised enough head scratchers that it's at least worth a a solid... I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. I'm pushing it a little bit over four. This is definitely a four. I'm putting it at a 4.2 just for overall creativity but I can't push it into the upper echelon because there are just some pieces here that suspiciously I don't know wane back a little bit there you go 4.2 you said the word visceral and I think that's an excellent term because at the end of the day it's very it's primal it's even further than visceral it's primal it's at the core of human being in so many ways it's saying not just saying what's on your mind but like just like straight up, all right, happy go sucky fucky. I mean, come on, how more literal can you get with it? And it's it's not even it's it's more Cro Magnum than anything else. It's it's who needs verbs? I you now kind of a thing, and I like it because it starts at this very very almost Neanderthal level, like almost the most basic of instinctual level you can get at. And dials it back, dials it back, dials it back. Becomes more mature, more actualized mentally as you go along. And I really enjoy it. But it was parts of the music that didn't grip me. Same sort of problems that you've had. But I'm, I'm a little bit more inclined to just really go with the vocals, go with the lyrics, and, and, and dig in and sink my teeth into just the really abrasive nature of everything that's I love the fact that it's just so abrasive it's so 
crude at times because that's the only way you can be. You got to be crude. You got to be honest, and you got to be just saying the first thing. Don't go for eloquence. Don't don't go for Shakespeare. Go for explaining yourself in the best of terms you can come up with. But it it, it the music just doesn't grip me throughout, and that's what's going to really draw it down for me. I'm not even as high as Steve. I'm I'm giving it a solid four. It's a great album. Uh, that I really enjoy and I'm going back and listening to all their other music not just the taste I did on the previous album Tensions but like it's not new in enough ways to really make me go for it and, and think it think it's going to do more I think I might disagree a little bit with that last point that it's not new enough I think I think maybe in the specific sounds they use yes it's stuff we might have heard before but for me and that's what, what that's what I mean and for me what I think gets me past that is the fact that as an album structure it's so off the wall genre wise which is not as common for us especially lately we've d- dived into a lot of stuff that kind of has a particular place and it's uh, it stays there FFS ex- Excluded because that kind of also jumped all over the place. And I find no, albums that do that, I enjoy more. And so for me, I think that what I really love of this album is that it kind of feels like a ride, a roller coaster ride. It has ups, it has downs. Um, it does see, I, I didn't really see it until John started explaining it, but I do see that kind of sense of maturity. That the earlier stuff is kind of more in your face, grab your crotch, bravado. And then to the end, he's talking about being a family man and growing up and. It's a similar evolution I saw to when we reviewed All American Rejects way, way back in the day. Kid, kids in the street, you know, he went from I being. I still listen to that album. He, he went from being the lead singer goes from this character of a womanizer to a sincere guy worrying about his future, and I see some of that here narratively. Um, narratively, I, musically, I think it's inversed. I think it actually dematures as it progresses. It calms. That would be my argument. It calms. Uh, all right, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But. I'll agree. I think the consensus is not all of the music here is super strong, but I think the the narrative, the lyrics, the singers, the 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 just the the performance of it all is what keeps me engaged the whole time. It's not a five. It's not a four point five. It's below that because I feel like it's still missing that next thing. However, this is the kind of record that instantly makes me engaged in someone's career. I want to go back and listen to the old albums and I want to see what they do next because I feel like they will get to the fives. They will create those albums that are jaw-dropping, you know, as they keep doing it because, you know, they've been around a while, but they've not been, I think they, they started in the the early to mid 2000s and so this is a career that's going to evolve and grow and change and I think blow minds and so literally and figuratively take that as you will um I'm sorry I already regret saying that um but (laughs) that's staying in yeah I know thanks um but but seriously I think that that I'm instantly fascinated with the career of a band that I didn't even know existed in a genre a general genre of rave rap, rap rave that I didn't know existed. And so I'm thankful for that. Um, But I think I'm in the same place John is. I think it's a solid four. I think it's doing really, really great work, but it's not perfect. It's not flawless. It's not, you know, you know, there were moments where I sat here going, "Mm, this song, not a fan. And, you know, I don't think it was as much taste as it was the repetitive cliches that we see in hip hop that I didn't want to see from them. 
So so for me, it's a solid four, but definitely a, a going to become a standard in my rotation because I loved it. Last thing I'll say before we get our final word in here is that I definitely am pulling the card of favoring the moments that this album gave me. Mm -hmm. The moments are, I think, a big, big factor for me because we, we talk about arc so much, sometimes I think we get away from it. Like, for instance, last week, or well, it's actually two weeks ago, but last episode, episode 182, we talked about Power by Lord Raja, which was great from a musical standpoint, but I had to dip it down to a 3.9 only because that album, as unique as it was from an electronica standpoint, did not give me moments. There weren't specific things that mm. reached out. It was more of a general like yes i will agree academically speaking this is pushing the boundaries of electronica but but those moments with chills run down your spine no i didn't have that but this gave me a few of those early on especially several in a row i think that's actually where i come from with it um the the moments that i love i and and that just are so resonant for me are huge yeah and like everyone else that they're there are songs, there are moments, there are bits that just, you know, they're there. That's fine. But I will probably skip those tracks next time. And, um, you know, but I don't think that, I, I don't think that destroys the experience for me. I think the nice thing is that we can just skip those tracks, which sounds <laughs> awful to say. But, um, you know, yeah, I don't, there's not really much, much else that, that hasn't been said. I mean, I think um, I... This was the first new, like out of nowhere, um, band music at all that uh, that I really grabbed me in a long time. I kind of just stick with what I know, um, and just hearing this one song with them actually made me go and find all their stuff and and listen to it pretty obsessively a lot lately. And I'm really, really um, excited to see, like like Matt said, and you know just what else there is and what they're going to do next. Um, so I, I yeah you know I for all of the reasons for the for the 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 theatricality of this I do that is really important to me um, you know just the characters that they that they play that they are um, because I think there are is a huge amount of these actual people these you know in in there in the characters quote unquote of of Ninja and Yolandi and and you know that's really that that really grabs me a lot too. Um, so, you know, I think, um, yeah, other than the parts where I just kind of wander off a little bit, I, I always come back. So I, I would say a four. I think I will give this a four as well. That feels four. right. All right. So three fours and a, and a 4.2. I didn't expect to be on the more positive end about right. this album. But uh, I don't know. Here's the thing. When it comes down to, like, rating categories of, of on, on which you might actually, grounds on which you might actually rate an album, let's say, like, arc or theme or narrative or the music itself or surrealism, then you can't, they're never, like, ordered. Whereas, like, arc will always trump yes. the moment What's and vice versa. Important. We do not have a like, checklist. If you yeah. go back through, I've, I've definitely had episodes where they are completely adverse because I just felt like that was the more important thing mm. at that particular time owing to the different artists involved. So, there you are. Uh, is it time to do the spam mail? Yeah, before we wrap up with, with Nasty and Thank Her, why don't you do our spam or fan mail as fan it were mail this week. week. We, That's right, I was trying so to prompt you, we do this thing where we real. read spam comments on the site because we weren't getting any actual fan mail, but lately we've actually been getting some actual yeah, see, fan mail. That's where it gets dangerous. Get a, yeah. I'm trying to get a drinking game going. Ooh. Uh, I've been thinking of uh, I, I, where we actually try to guess where the the, fan, the spam mail, mail is coming from. Ah. Like Air Jordans or Prada. And Oh, yeah, and yeah. what it's commenting North on. North Face jackets. Love because it. we have to. We have a lot of pictures that are. Uh, they comment some, on the image gallery. They incite a lot of comments a lot from of the spam pictures. Comments. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Of circles and 
words oh and, Lord. and nonsense. But we have none of that today. This we have an actual here person. There. We have an actual person, oh, and he's someone we know well. It's uh, Mark H., who contacted us randomly last year, uh, suggested us the album Black Messiah by D'Angelo and the Vanguard, and then contacted us again this year to suggest FFS by FFS. And this is his comment on said review. Thanks for your review! It wasn't my favorite album of last year. In fact, I probably preferred previous reviewed albums, Surf and Vega International Night School, more. But it was one that I was quite curious as to what your reaction would be, since Sparks seemed like the type of band that would be right up your alley, mostly due to the appreciation of humorous, quirkier bands like They Might Be Giants, or music that's a bit more on the theatrical side. Uh, the first time I became aware of them was when I learned that the Weird Al song Virus Alert was done as a Sparks, Sparks pastiche, and thus I was intrigued to check out their stuff. If you're interested in checking out uh, more of their stuff, I'd recommend their third and fourth albums, Kimono My House and Propaganda, both from 1974 as a good starting point. They're not on Spotify, so you'll have to look for them elsewhere. From there, I'd probably recommend 2002's Little Beethoven and 2006's Hello Young Lovers, which sees them in their more classical-inspired chamber pop phase. I'm intrigued, Mark. Uh, other strong, other strong albums include electronic, uh, electronic disco albums, Number One in Heaven, and Angst in My Pants, which might be their only good <laughs> '80s album. I can see Matt is intrigued by that. Yes. Um, for me, the album is probably in the lower four range. Uh, specifically referring to FFS, this is mostly due to my. Uh, already having a bit of an idea, me already having a bit of an idea what to expect, being a little more familiar with both groups' previous work, and because I had already heard Piss Off and Collaborations Don't Work as singles and previews before the entire album had been released. Interesting. So there was less room for surprise for me. Of course, I hadn't quite acquainted myself with the bonus tracks either. Anyway, I look forward to listening for more of your reviews, and will most likely suggest uh, another sometime in the future. Of course, now that I'm two for two, I might end up suggesting something that really challenges you or that is off the wall crazy. We'll see. Also, good luck on having to tackle the life of Pablo. And I think that's referring to the fact that Anya Keister claimed she's going to bring, bring that. Was that bring, the case? That's the new yeah. Kanye. Yeah, she's promised us that. Good for so. her. Yeah. Yep. It it's what she wanted to bring when she came on, but it wasn't out yet. Uh-huh. Um, so we did something else instead. But um, I'm going to find a lot of jokes that are like twice removed about Kanye. <laughs> okay. Like a joke about Kanye and then you remove it and make it very you know general. And then you remove it again and make it barely touching the subject that's really general. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah it's not that hard. He's got a lot Kanye. of jokes about it. I do want to make a quick comment. That, yeah, me too. That we... we <laughs> We, um, we joked that he, because he was Mark H on our com- uh, the comments on our site, we referred to him as the mysterious Mark H. Because he then he changed- it was like last year, and then we didn't hear it come something back from him. So it was just like, remember when we received that really, really amazingly flattering email that was like a whole page long by the guy who we never heard from again? The mysterious Mark H. Which he then changed his username to on the site. So now when he comments, it nice. says the mysterious Mark I'm H. I'm so happy yeah. he has adopted that term. Yes, me too. Um, and my comment was simply going to be on how interesting it is that he had heard uh, those two tracks piss off and collaborations don't work as singles and previews before the album that would def- I mean I don't know how I don't but know, that no, would but, be well, but here's well the I question. guess because they were singles collaborations don't work is a terrible single it really yeah, it isn't terrible. It, it wouldn't single. seem to work. So I guess just as yeah, previous. Okay, you got to listen to the song. Like it, it is, it's like eighteen songs. This is a collaboration album no, with no, a song called "Collaborations Don't Work." No, yeah. it was sixteen. That's it was twelve. Delightful. It was twelve. Tra- it's actually the exact same length as today. Even with the bonus tracks, it was sixteen tracks solid. No, I'm um, saying like "Collaborations Don't Work" is oh, several oh, songs. Yeah, yeah, it's like eight it jump songs, songs it by itself. Yeah, that doesn't sound yeah. like a, a pull. It's not a single, but it's it's beautiful. Interesting. It is so. My comment is simply that makes sense why 
he would lower the album because our experience with that was so much about the build to that track and yeah. the slow rise, the oh, all-rise yeah. nature of this album that culminated with those two tracks specifically. If you heard them ahead of time, that would be a very different experience. Yeah. So, yeah, makes sense. Well, thank you, Mark. Please write again. Please keep writing us. Um, <laughs> it makes us feel like we're a real podcast. I'm a real boy. Anyway. You are a real boy, and this is a real podcast. It's true. These Both these things are true. It's a real microphone. Um, I want to say something very important right now, and that's to thank Nasty Canasta for joining us. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate you coming on this this little show that I've we've built up from nothing, and you know it's a pleasure to have you on. This so. is delightful. Thank you for making me... Um, you know, search for albums. I made you listen to new music. Yeah. Take it. We went through a few before you got one. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. okay. Um, I do you want you one. to have a moment to promote the things you're working on. Um, new shows coming out. Things you want to drive people to. This will be out this Friday as we're as of when we're recording. So, if there's stuff you want to point people to, please tell the listening audience where you will be or what you're working on. Um, well, something I'm really excited about lately is a, a new show called Two Desks that I do uh, at the Way Station, which I'm assuming that you're listeners might know yes, of. Um, uh, they might have heard of it Might have heard twice. of the Way Station once or twice. Matt well, name drop. the Way Station uh, is uh, where we do two desks, and that's um, Thursday, March 10th is our next one, and that's a um, sort of a late-night talk show, but not so late and not just talking is kind of where we're going with that. Uh, Sapphire Jones and I were trying to figure out if there was an alternative to uh, white guys in suits doing late-night talk shows and it appears to be uh two women wearing desks <laughs> <laughs> that we made out of cardboard i don't know um it's it's better than that though <laughs> all right yeah um also um around st patty's day if you're around the next show i'm doing sound for for wasa bosco is their redhead show which they do every year which is literally just redheads performing burlesque and albert and Albert. Well, he's a redhead. He is. Downstairs, because, you know, he's got not much on the top no. of his head. I love Albert. Um, so, yeah. So, um, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Um, thank you for bringing such an interesting and great album. God, and you will really promise, of course, to let me know as early as possible about the Taking the Pelham 1, 2, 3 yes. burlesque. Act, yes, right? I will. This is going to happen I'm eventually. I'm a transit Someday. enthusiast. So, because of that. Yay. All right. This is going to happen. I've never met a transit enthusiast. <laughs> we'll you'll have to start another podcast where you, you just talk about transit. My, you have to come to my store. You know that. That's true. Yeah. He's um, No, and I, I sell them. There's a difference. <laughs> I'm into them. <laughs> Before we close the show, I want to give you guys a preview of what we're doing next week, of course, which is my pick. And this time around, I'm going with something, a band that I've heard a lot about, but I've not really listened to a ton of their songs. And it's Panic! Exclamation point at the disco, which yeah, is actually how it's new, written. Yeah, it's, a, it's like an upstart band or something like that. Yeah, they've right? only been around for a decade. Yeah, yeah um, they're not very big yet. Um, and their newest album, Death of a Bachelor. Um, I've heard great things about it. Supposedly, it's supposed to be phenomenal. I've never heard to any of their work referred to as phenomenal, so is I'm it, intrigued. Is it a reimagining of the death of a salesman? No. Or is it about someone getting married? We'll find out next week. I guess so. Stay tuned for that narrative. <laughs> um, spoiler, I guess. Um, but uh, before we actually, actually sign off, I would love to have Nasty read our, uh, our catchphrase extraordinaire, our sign-off, if you would. Music is life, and life is good. If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. 
And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.